Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that generally doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Uh, yeah, let's live up to that mantra a little bit more. That's, yeah, let's do I it. Absolutely do that. Let's do that. Uh, I'm Tim in the Rugby Dungeon with JB. Hello, Tim. I'm with Philip. Hello, Tim. JB, you'll be pleased to hear, is uh, sockless for the oh, own, for his yes. OnlyFans sideline hustle. Exactly. Really building that up for the end of the podcast. Stop talking. Like, you you can do what you want. The podcast is going nowhere. Exactly. The podcast will stay. I'll, t- I'll take applications even at contactedchasers at gmail.com. Exactly. J- JB is one of a kind. How could we possibly replace him? Yeah, quite. Uh, anyway, what, what, what a positive, uplifting way to start the pod. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. We're, um, well, wherever you get your podcasts, hit subscribe is one way you can... Uh, reward us if you appreciate the fact there is always a rugby podcast for you every Monday, 52 weeks of the year and very nearly 10 years. It's It was the 15th of, no, it was the 9th of September 2013 really? when we uploaded oh. our very first episode. So the, so the kick-off of the World Cup will be... the 8th. Oh, oh, look at that. They've, they've messed it up. Well, um, I'm back in prominence. One of my tweets has read out on Rugby Tonight. Don't, don't you know that? Uh, I, what, I what, saw one about it. junior doctors, was it? It was not one about junior doctors. <laughs> heroes. Every one of them, a special hero in my heart, for the record. Um, I did see on one of our many rugby chat um, WhatsApps that it got read out, but I didn't actually see the tweet. So, Well, I assume it's my tweet about Chris Ashton. I assume. I don't know. I've not seen rugby tonight because it's, it's like a lottery. You might get one of the best demonstrations of centre play you've ever seen, or you might get, get a lecture about why we can't call the ex-Chiefs Chiefs from oh, some d- simple academic. Well, it was fantastic today. Let, let me ask a question. What do you think, because we got the answer to this, did you see it, Phil? I didn't see no, it. Good. No, good. Brilliant. We can do this. What would you guess Henry Arundel's squat, back squat, one rep max is? Oh, I think 210. Yeah, I was going to say 200. Yeah. Maybe more he's than that. Str- he's, got, he's, so m- I, he's got big, powerful thighs, and he's relatively short, low centre of gravity. Do you know, I'm not that interested in his one rep max back squat. I'm interested in his max box jump. <laughs> yes, I'm with you there. But the two are kind of related. Abs- mm, yes, they are. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah. Um, so, um, what, what, what are you I, going I, for? My, my instant reaction would be north of 200. Give me but, a number. Well, let me just go 200, because that's okay. what I said first. You said 210. 210. Uh, it's 230. Two, oof. Yeah. yeah. Tidy. Not bad. He's got out. What's his body weight? And he's 20. Probably is 90 he, kilos. Is he 20, or 21? Yeah. He, he, but the point is, he's got a lot of. He's probably only been lifting weights proper for like three, four years. Yeah. 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 
Um, I don't oh. mm, like properly. I don't know. I don't know what. That I mean, what do they get them doing right. in these private schools? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, you can see, can't you? Why? I almost say it's problematic, but why the lads from private schools have such a massive advantage over normal lads? Yeah. Because if you're 20 and you can already do 230, that didn't happen by accident. Unless yeah. you are an incredibly knowledgeable, dedicated 18 or 16 year old. And have the facilities to do that. And have the facilities. And have the guidance. Yeah, the guidance is a big thing. If you try and do that without the right people around you and without building up, you're going to get injured as a 16 year old. So there is like a culture in US sport, isn't there, where you go to the gym, you do your lifting, you you have the coach of the football programme. I mean, that's slowly been eroded. There's no such culture in in the UK. In. well, outside of, outside of out, yeah, in state yeah. schools, quite right. Yes. Outside of private private schools, there absolutely is. And in uh, South Africa, there's a different sort of culture as there well. Is, yeah. On top of that, on top so of that, additional culture to enhance Su- supplements. That culture. Yeah, yeah, supplementary, supplementary to that culture, to that culture. Create culture. supplementary culture to yeah. that culture. Yeah. Yes, precisely. Yeah. And I'm sure that happens in uh, the UK and South <laughs> Wales and, have you heard, uh, and other parts of the world as well. Have you heard James Haskell's story about when he was? Like which one? I've, I've definitely heard some stories about <laughs> uh, when he not, was that one, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one. About how he got so big, effectively. Like, his protein intake. It was basically, I think if I've got this right, and uh, you know, correct me if I haven't, but he had a, a personal trainer come in, but his personal trainer would pick up loads of, do you know the roast chickens that they have on the... Rotisserie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But he'd pick them up at the end of the day so they're like cut price. And then nice. just feed them to Haskell <laughs> and let him lift. I mean, at that age, that amount of protein, that amount of lifting. And if that's what you want to do as a living, like become a professional rugby player, why not? Yeah. I've got, yeah. I've got uh, well, no, Louis's got himself doing it. He was, uh, I took Louis to, we go to CrossFit together and, I, uh, and we go and lift together sometimes. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Well, it is a beautiful thing. Anyway, uh, he was devastated that he couldn't match his deadlift PB and he got on the scales and he was 5kg lower than he was. Oh, interesting. Because he's just been, he just does so much yeah, rugby yeah, three yeah. times a week across well, all the rest he needs of it. to get his calories up then. Yeah, so now he's now he's got the MyFitnessPal and he's tracking his protein and uh, yeah, yeah. like getting the... You're going to buy him protein for his birthday and Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> it's costing me a flipping fortune in chicken breasts, I can tell you that much. <laughs> My God. Get I wish way. I'd have known that when I was... 16 because all I wanted to do is do is play rugby like I was absolutely obsessed with rugby but like no idea of nutrition like zero yeah. idea of what to eat it's, it's funny because um, a friend of all of ours uh, Wilco who coaches rugby up at Lancaster um, Lancaster Grammar he was saying some of the lads there they're obsessed with the gym but they're all um, they underappreciate the calories that they need as 16, 17, 18-year-old very active lads and they're like trying to cut themselves to 2,000 calories a day because they don't want to get fat and it's like no No. at your your age with your activity count with your um, testosterone you more is better you just need to be eating more More and more and if you eat the right stuff you're just going to have if you do eat Excess, you'll just have very expensive piss. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Protein laden exactly. piss, basically. That's it. Yeah. All the amino acids will break down. Anyway, enough uh, nutrition chat. Henry oh, Arundel. Just, just great, on Arundel. Great legs. Just on Arundel. Oh. How heavy do you think he is? Because I, I just said 90 kg would be my. Yeah, I would, I would have guessed that like 87, how, 88. How tall is he? He's six foot. Oh, okay, he's big. Oh, he's listed as six foot, but I, I didn't. 
I would say that's a generous. I'd have him. I eyeballing him. I'd probably say he's five eleven. Yeah. So nine, ninety kegs is what, like fourteen and a half stone, just over fourteen. Yeah, stone, 14. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's on basically with those legs. Definitely, he's not quite two point five times body weight squat then. Well, so that was my eyeballing him at ninety kg. But what do you? Th- what would you say? I would. You said eighty seven. I, I, I would have guessed. Had I? Even, yeah. I'm going to say he's bigger. High eighties. So I would say like you ninety. I'm going to say he's bigger. You know, six foot. That kind of squat and those sort of legs and rump. Give me a hundred kilograms. So he's listed between ninety six and ninety eight, which is big boy. Yeah, for his Sur- height as well. Surprising for his height, but he's yeah. his legs and rump are massive. Now, if you're into watching men and women, I might add. I'll just leave it there. Um, <laughs> full stop. <laughs> yeah, full stop. <laughs> Lifting. I've got some websites for. Yeah. To, 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 <laughs> well, this is a website. This, 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 it's not. It's a YouTube channel. Watch House of House of Weightlifting for some just amazing clips. I mean, if you mm. want to see multiple body ty- uh, bo- body weight lifts, that's where you want to be. Mm. Great, great YouTube. Have channel. you seen? I, I'm gonna um, jump on and, and say uh, just quickly here. Mention Physical 100, a show on Netflix. Have you watched that? This, no, Car- this Korean show. There are a hundred different body type type people apparently, and it's uh, they do different challenges and whittle it down to one. Um, ah. It's just it's quite fun. It, it gets a little tedious, but the awesome one that you would love is J- I'm talking to JB when I say you would love it is they have this battle where there's a ball and it's three minutes in a in a like kind of an arena, and it's the person who's holding the ball at the end of the three minutes. Amazing. Mm, have you seen the brutal. clip of South Africa training and they've got to rip the ball off each other? Yes. That's a cool game. Very cool game. Have you, there's one... I'm trying to think where I watched it. I think it was an All Blacks camp years ago where they had guys in... It's not competitive, but it's just a really interesting thing to do. They had guys in like, on all fours, but not on your knees, feet and hands, mm. and your mate's on, on your back. So one person, feet and hands, mate's on the back, and the mate has to go round your tummy without touching the floor and back onto the back. Oof. That For both individuals, that's a tricky skill. You, you can do that, and um, I've seen that done in our, in our CrossFit gym just with the kids when they do the kids' teenage CrossFit or whatever, getting them to do that round a weights bench. Ah. Mm, cool. So, okay, we've done nutrition, we've done kids' nutrition, we've done house of weightlifting. <laughs> yes. uh, Henry Arundel's weight. Any rugby occurred this weekend? Yeah, well, do you know what? Rather than, let's do it in a slightly atypical way, okay. and, and let's just have a discussion on a individual decision before we actually talk about any specific games, because I think this is an interesting talking point, and it can this can broach out to a bigger talking point, which Rob Baxter opened the door for earlier this week. And when we're looking ahead to the Rugby World Cup with the TMO bunker idea that's been floated, I think this all fits mm. in together. So from the Leicester-Exeter game earlier today, there was a, I'm going to say a controversial. I think I, I, think, I think I would agree. I think the reception of it has been met with controversy and Ollie Woodburn got a second yellow card. Leicester were awarded a penalty try for uh, Chris Ashton sliding in to score and Ollie Woodburn sliding alongside him to try and push him out. Yep. Yeah. For which he was penalised. And there was no contact with the head. No. There was no. Let's say it wasn't for a non-wrap. It was no. for a, a a tackle on the floor, sliding on the floor. It it was for yeah. It was being, for being out of the game, making, and then making contact. A with, yeah, making contact with a player who was already on the floor. Yeah. Is essentially what it was. So 
for me, my my view on this, I was watching it. I was kind of shaking my head as I was watching it because there are certain things in rugby that are not refereed consistent with the laws. The laws are not consistently applied. Like, the, like a straight putting. Feed in the scrum. Mm-hmm. Five second use it. Mm-hmm. Um, the jumping into jumping into a tackle in the um, motion of scoring a try. That, yes, that's gone out the window completely. Yeah, um, the the not not straight shoulders. line out when a when a the opposition aren't competing. Yeah, um, shoulders above hips at the rook. Yeah, yep. so there are multiple things that are they are refereed inconsistently to the way that the law is written down. This, I think, is one of them. And I've not actually had a chance to check how the law is written down, but if you apply the word of the law um, as I think it's written, Ollie Woodburn, as soon as he's lying on the floor, so he slid in, he actually lay down and then made contact, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. As soon as he slides in, as soon as he's lay down, in effect, his knees on the floor, he's out of the game, therefore he can't engage a contact, so it should be a penalty. Now... In the process of scoring a try, it's almost never applied like that. As in, it's basically a free-for-all. You can dive in to try and stop a try. And frequently we see malls collapse or people, when the two bodies flop over the line and it's not entirely certain where the ball is, a string of bodies all just flop around the ball to to try and stop any angle from the referee or the TMO or or anything. Now, that's what we're used to seeing. So we're used to seeing what Ollie Woodburn did not be applied the way it was done today, not be given a penalty or anything else, and just play on. Uh, in the same way that a winger scoring going in the corner will jump into the tackle, which is a penalty against him, as per the law. There's no exceptions to that law, but he never gets refereed like that. So I found today's application of the law, if... Carl Dixon had told the players prior to it that we're going to be really strict on this in the same way that if he told the players we're going to be really strict on shoulders below hips in a rook or really strict on feeding, I can understand it. But I don't think that's what he did. It just seemed like he was robotically reading through the laws and not considering what he's ever played or refereed or witnessed that's what got me. For, the whole, for the whole of his career. That's what got me. It's really a weird situation. I found it, and it even more weird because it was Carl Dixon. Yeah, because, because he's a he's former got, player. He's got 200 professional games of rugby under his belt before he started being a referee. Mm, so he's yeah. seen this scenario hundreds of times. Yeah, it was uh, it, uh, almost, I was, I was trying to get into the head and going, are you just trying to show off that you know this law? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was. It, but it, he does know the law, doesn't he? It, it was. Yeah, he does know the law, and you can't argue with the the law book, as you say. You can you can just argue with the application, the empathy, the precedent. And yeah. So my question to you two is, why did he do it? So I think he kind of backed himself into a corner. Like was my read when he did it, uh, because he. He felt, my read watching it was he almost felt bad that it wasn't a try. Maybe it was the Ashton situation because it was going to be, was that going to be Ashton's 100th? Uh, yes. I think it was going to be Ashton's 100th, wasn't it? I think it? that's right, yeah. And he felt bad and so 
he tried to level things up, which you just occasionally do see referees doing. And once he'd started talking, like, we've got to look, it's not a try, but we've got to look at something else there. He kind of backed himself into a corner. Interesting. And the, the TMO actually said, I can't remember how he phrased it, but he was like, are you are you sure? Like, do you do you really want to go down this route, what would, Carl? What, what would a Korean pilot say? <laughs> yeah. a Korean pilot would. What would you say? Uh, the the weather maps have been useful before, Carl. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll uh, be useful in the future. A reference to a, a brilliant chapter in Outliers, Malcolm yeah. Gladwell book, where you you will never get two Korean pilots in a cockpit together because of the no, 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 no. the culture of subordination yes it's how they to change their so, culture of subordination. so this, yeah so the senior captain was flying a plane into a mountain and the and junior captain couldn't say you're flying into a mountain much like yeah. it, much like the tmo today yeah carl we, you're flying into a mountain which which is why now the universal language of aviation is english mm. because mm. it's it's there's Japanese language is even more nuanced than English in terms of subservience. Mm. So, so I, I would. So if I was postulating, guessing why this might happen, there's obviously something that you either know or are pontificating. So I'll I'll jump in board, on board with that. Something to do with the World Cup coming up, and referees are under huge scrutiny over all their decisions. And I mean, a place at the World Cup is massive, isn't it? Well and, done. And England can only take one, right? And I'm no. No, no, Wayne Barnes too. Wayne Barnes no. and Luke Pierce, or is Carl Dixon trying to get it right. from Luke Pierce? So, for this, we need to cast our minds back to another game. Have you seen what I put on Twitter? Not my Twitter. Don't look at that. That's not for rugby. The, <laughs> the, the, the egg, the egg chasers Twitter. Oh, the uh, AJ McGinty tap tackle on Andre yes. Esterhazen. Have you seen year. that? No. Okay, so if you look at the AJ McGinty tap, no, this year because AJ McGinty's only been there a year. Uh, sorry, I meant 2022. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, last calendar yeah. year. So this is a really important play, actually, because I think if Harlequins had won that, they, they'd be back in the race for top four. And they didn't. So Esther Hazen's through, tap tackle from AJ McGinty. Esther Hazen's fallen to the ground. And as he's fallen to the ground, Tom Whiteley comes out of nowhere, very similar to, to today, dislodges the ball from Andre Esther Hazen. Everyone's like, that is a phenomenal tackle. And I think any normal rugby fan would say, that is a phenomenal tackle. Mm. Who refereed that game? Was it Carl Dixon? It was Carl Dixon. So Carl Dixon refereed that game. And he got a roasting for it, did he? He got absolutely annihilated by World Rugby for it. So he stands up and he defends himself against World Rugby. Says, no, no, this is how the players play the game. Mm. This is how the game should be played, so on and so forth. And he got annihilated again. Now, England are going to take Bonds and they're going to take Pierce. Mm-hmm. They're going to take potentially two more. For the TMO bunker. Well, yeah, something. And he wants to go to the World Cup, which yeah. is completely understandable. understandable. It is his job. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So and it's the is... pinnacle of, of the job that he wants to be doing. Exactly. So it's not he's not doing this, I don't think, because he believes that that should be a try. Or, or that he was lacking empathy for what the players were doing out on the field. No. He he's already been stung once t- by this. Ticking the box. Which is why he knows that law so well. Which is why he hunted that, that down and went, no, no, we've got to look at this. And even though he's been t- spoken... Uh, talked off the ledge by his TMO. These are the laws that World Rugby wants us to play. And it is indicative now of the state of rugby that we've got these perverse outcomes, all because of top-down manipulation of the game, whether it be the whole changing behaviour thing, or as Rob Baxter said today, too many big games are getting decided by red cards. We've got people at the top of the game who do not give a shit about the game. And they're more interested in 
pushing their message and, and their agenda. And as such, you've got referees. And in this case... Well, this might not be an agenda as such. It might just be that they're enforcing the law book that's already there. Yeah, and and as, as Phil has mentioned a number of times with various decisions, is that this is so rare... Like that, it will have happened in the in the Premiership twice this season. Once the law was applied, and once it wasn't, and it's unlikely that between now and the end of the season it will happen again. So this so infrequently comes up that this is a, a total freak occurrence. But but I just wish the response was, and this this yeah. go, this goes to your point. I wish the response was when we come across things like this, we use the metric not of what is written down and therefore is is law and sacrosanct, but. What feels right? Yeah, so here's what I'm saying, sorry. I'm not saying that there's an agenda on this particular point. What I'm saying is for World Rugby and the RFU and busybodies like Will Sweeney, B- Bill Sweeney who are dis- determined to destroy the game one way or another, in order to get what they need from the game itself, they need an absolute um, iron fist to control referees. Because if you don't, you get referees out there who have empathy with the players. Now, you can't so-called change behaviour and you can't enforce your laws to the nth degree unless the referees are carrying out exactly as you say. So this culture of top-down control on referees is there mainly because of all the other things that they're trying to achieve, but it also bleeds into other areas. So when they're absolutely smashing Carl Dixon saying, look, you need to do this, Carl Dixon knows he needs to do it or he won't be going Mm. where he wants to go because they don't care. I mean, if you think about it from a fan's point of view and a player's point of view, we want to be facilitating a game which is fun to watch, uh, which is entertaining, which everybody wants to be part of. That's not the world rugby view. So I don't think someone like Nigel well, Owens. Oh, hold, hold on, I, I'm 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 going with you, but I'm just yeah. gonna I'm just gonna stick. I'm gonna steer or pull the reins a little bit because can you say can you say everything you're saying, but give a good faith interpretation? So to say, Bill Sweeney is trying to ruin the game. He's trying to trash it. Well, I spoke to the okay. guy. I know exactly what he's up All right. to. <laughs> well, so the guy is more no, no, no. interested in his next job than he is in his current job. No, he has it. He has it. These people have the they they have the they're trying to make what they believe is making the game better. We and you, hey, if and, you and, find and we out, to a large degree disagree yeah, yeah. about Look, how to achieve if that. If you is. find out about the antics of some of the individuals in world um, in world rugby, particularly in particularly the communication staff and how they they behave to push their agendas, particularly when there is. A message they don't agree with, like one of the messages which I tried to put out, and I will talk about this at some point. You'll you will understand it is it's exactly as I say. You know there are agendas, and those agendas need uh, need to be pushed. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I'm not saying there's not agendas. No, everyone has agendas. Yeah. You no. have you have an agenda, which I'm not com- yeah. criticizing. I'm saying you have an agenda to keep the game as it is to conserve what we have. So everyone has an agenda. The point I'm making is to say your agenda is to keep to make rugby great, and their agenda yeah. is to well, the good faith destroy argument is, the game. Good faith argument is. Yeah. You want consistency in the decision-making process and compliance to the letter of the law yes. rather than the spirit of the law. Yes. But of course, I don't believe that. I don't think anyone else believes that because some of the greatest rugby games of all time have been refereed by Nigel Owens, who was the absolute proponent of the spirit of the game. So if you look at some of the great games, things have... Thing, what you want from a... a a ref is consistency, the, I guess, the, the within cor- the same I'm, game. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a Nigel Owens example. The Courtney Laws tackle on Jules Pisson. Yes. He refereed that game and let the boys play. Let the boys play. Mm. Right. Now, there are, you know, that, I don't think a referee like Nigel Owens would be allowed now to referee a World Cup, fi- a World Cup final. Just don't think he would because they want, they need compliance from the referees in order to push through all their other agendas. I mean, God, 
when the high tackle laws change next year in the amateur game, if these referees aren't on board, it's going to be an absolute disaster. So it's got to start at the top, and it's got to fil- and it's got to filter down. So when people are saying, "Look, this is the worst decision by Cole Dixon ever," you've got to understand the pressure the guy's under because he mm. wants to go to the World Cup. So I I fully understand that, um, and I can I can see that. Um, the drive. If Carl Dixon has been reprimanded before, then he has to make the decision. Yes. The bit that I don't still don't understand is if they're fastidiously um, applying the written law in this scenario, why are they not doing it in other scenarios? Yeah. And, and ones. So this is. I've never seen anyone injured in this scenario that we got here. It's yeah. for one, it's a highly unusual event, and two, if both bodies are on the floor, you there is far less force because yeah. they're both on the floor why like if we just take one of the most dangerous things that we spoke about uh last week or a couple of weeks ago in terms of the the jackal ruin ackerman the croc roll the croc roll um in particular and if you apply the law um as it's written shoulders can't be below hips if shoulders aren't below hips then you're in a much less stable position as the jackler um, therefore, it's much easier to blow you away. Therefore, the crock roll is much less likely. Now, that is application as written that makes the game actually significantly more safe, significantly yeah. safer. I, I don't get why the and like things like um, feeding on scrums. I kind of get that, but um, application of the five second rules or jumping into the corner for the tackles, like. Why are they picking this one? Yeah, well, I think it's not that they're picking this one. I think it's just one case of one referee getting burnt by one thing. And I don't... But but it's why Paul Dixon thinks... No, no, I... I, I, Why pick this? We have got dozens and dozens of examples of players jumping into the corner to score a try. Jumping, yeah. uh, jumping so, into the tackle to score a try. Well, uh, uh, so, is it Hanlon or Occam's razor? Is the never attribute Hanlon's. to malice what is ex- explained by incompetence? Hanlon's, Hanlon's razor, which is yeah. brilliant. What's Occam's razor is Occam's, the simplest. The simplest explanation. explanation is usually the correct one. Yes, uh, but Hanlon's razor is never attribute malice where it can reasonably be explained by incompetence. And I think this is one of those occasions where Carl Dixon's been burned, probably because. I don't know. Someone's justifying their own position maybe, as a maybe, yeah. as a as a, a world rugby. Yeah, <laughs> someone someone justifying their own position as a as a rugby um, uh, aficionado and rugby manager or whatever position it is. And so no, the law says you got that wrong. And just or maybe they got out of bed the wrong side of they had an argument with their missus the night before or or who or their other half the night before, and they I don't know just thought they'd come down on Carl Dixon for this one, rather than apply a, as I say, that feels, that that f- actually the way you did that in that Holocaust game with Tom Whiteley feels there is a like thing, the right thing there? to do. There is a thing, obviously rugby's an amateur game in its inception, and there is a thing as they try and professionalise and they bring more managerial people in, they try and justify their positions. Mm. I think that's a really good point, Tim. Like, they, they do. So you get these people um, who are getting more and more, well, who are as senior as as they get, with the managerial mindset. I don't think the laws that they've inherited necessarily fit the game. No, quite. I'll give you another example, right? Even more fundamental, which no one's ever spoke about, that I know of. Two yellow cards equal a red. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, we just inherited it off football. There's no other reason that two yellow cards equal a red 
other than the fact that we got it from football. Yeah, correct. Why can't we have four yellow cards? What difference does it make? <laughs> yeah, you're off the field for yellow 10 minutes. For everyone. There's enough yeah. of an incentive. Which Okay, this, this just to jump on briefly, let's touch on what Rob Baxter suggested. So he talked in the week and he said, rugby is t- has tied itself to this outcome where a red card means you lose a player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why can't we have it more like American sports where a player can be ejected for a game for... Um, exactly what I've said. Egregious foul play or or, ex- or excessive or whatever, just clumsiness, whatever it may be. Uh, however, the teams remain 15 v 15. And to me, that seems totally reasonable. I said this years ago. Oh, yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah, you did. You did. I'm, I'm <laughs> the Charlie Munger saying, show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome. Like The incentives are one thing, like... What I took out of back back to when because it was in game, wasn't he? When he was talking about oh, it. Oh no, he talked about this in the week, and it just so happened. it just so happened that this happened during the game, which and he meant he could it, kind of yeah. build build on what he'd already said in the week in an interview. Well, I was thinking, well, is there a more creative? Is there a better way of um, disincentivizing this play that creates more more scoring opportunities or something like that? Like I don't know. I'm not saying I've got an answer, but change the incentives because if if people are moaning because multiple yellow cards are not changing the behaviours, let's change the incentives and see if that changes the behaviours. Mm. Let's try the, and it might be you've said this before, Jimmy. Let's just find, start finding players. If yeah. they're going to not take home ten thousand pounds this month, then I mean, most, they are really strongly going to yeah, consider I mean, look, look, changing their behaviour. The average Premiership salary, also the most frequently paid Premiership, premiership salary, the modal, yeah, is. Forty-two thousand pounds or forty-five thousand, something like that. You know, a thousand pounds is a lot of money to these guys. Yeah, yeah. a lot of money. You know, yeah. of of your actual have, have post-tax a, income. Have a an income-linked um, incentive. Yeah. So so Stuart Hogg might get fined twenty thousand pounds, but uh, Beckinsell, um the the I bet he played the, on twenty twenty k today. Yeah, yeah. Who's who's on? A, he'll probably be on an academy contract. He gets fined five hundred quid. Yeah. So, but I'm I'm not saying that. Like I, yeah. I would actually prefer incentives that change the attacking, uh, like change, give an opportunity. Like have I don't know, um, three midfield scrums or something, three attacking midfield scrums mm. um, in the twenty-two. If you then you get three three shots to score as many points as you want instead of a red card. I'm open to, to anything like that. And what what I like is, and we've talked about this before, but. Rugby's 150 years old, 160 now, and the the legacy of it and and the heritage of it is we want to you want to conserve that. But at the same time, if rugby needs to change because it is dwindling, if things need to uh, be developed, then like have a blank bit of paper and have some fresh thinking where it would actually be well, really useful. Like, it feels like we're trying to change the th- sometimes the things that don't need to be changed and not changing the things that we should. Like, like yeah, it's kind of like. Uh, is it Mal's Great Leap Forward? He's like, yeah, let's kill all the sparrows. And then he kills all the sparrows and all the locusts go wild. And it feels like we keep with rugby, we carry on changing these little mm. bits and the secondary consequences get worse and worse and worse. So yeah, we deal yeah. with the secondary consequences yeah. and the third order consequences get worse and worse and worse. It needs to be a bit more fundamental than that. Mark Evans told me that when rugby doesn't know what to do, it does the same thing over and over again. It copies football. So it's like, we don't know what to do. What does football do? Mm. Or rugby league. Or well. rugby league. Well, yeah. So, like, you know, it's, I'll, I'll just give you that simple one. I, I alluded to, to it before. Just de-link yellow cards to red cards. Because yellow cards are for technical infringements. Do that all, all, all day. Red card is for egregious foul play. 
They're two very different things. Two bits of technical infringements do not equal a red card by anyone's measure. I mean, if that was the case, I mean, you could actually say that every... It's it's 10 minutes for the first yellow card, 12 minutes for the second yellow card, whatever it is. But there's so many <laughs> other other options and linking well, you could, yellows and reds. You could do it throughout the season. So your first yellow card is 10 minutes in this, or five minutes, then 10, then 15. Or cumulative uh, among, so, among the team. So Danny, oh yeah, you could even do that. Yeah. Danny Kerr last season, I think he broke the premiership record. It might be David Pace. But, uh, David Pace. Um, Danny Kerr was on something like seven or eight yellow cards last season, not for foul play, but I think most of them were uh, delib- deliberate knockdowns, which Dave. again, that's a that's a law that I would... So I, if I if I was involved in world rugby, I would gather a load of players and referees and, f- and actually run through every single law and say, right, this is the law as written. How do you see that in a game? Yeah. And that you, you almost... You tell, tell them the law and get them to write down or act out how that law is and match them up. Like the, the feeding on scrums or the diving into a corner, one the examples that I gave before, the law is written and reality, they are misaligned. For 90% of the laws, they're probably aligned, but 10% are misaligned. And that 10%, they need to change. Either you need to align, change the wording to what is applied or apply the wording but you can't just leave this yeah. misalignment. And like deliberate knock-on is another good one because the headline is deliberate knock-on, but it's not about intention. It's about are you in a reasonable position to catch the ball? So it shouldn't be called deliberate because deliberate implies intent, and it's not about intent. No, it's not. So the intent is to catch the ball. Well, sometimes it is. So now, sometimes, yeah, sometimes, sometimes it but it doesn't have to be. Like the two, yeah. the two yellow cards today, neither of them were trying to knock the ball down. They just, neither of them were in a, a position, a realistic position to catch that ball. They were both attempting to, well, or no, certainly they, Woodburn. They were, they were, Woodburn was. Woodburn was attempting to catch. Yeah. They were in a position, well, yeah, quite often they're in a position to catch the ball. They just don't execute the catch. Yes. Yeah, now I love the idea of a referee who's not a professional rugby player telling the professional ball catcher that he's not in a reasonable yeah. position to catch it. Like, no, no, just, I, I, I think so, I know. Like, if Woodburn has ca- I got my, I got my hand to the ball. I think I was in a reasonable position to catch. I just didn't catch yeah, yeah. I just didn't execute. Yeah. Woodburn... If it goes slightly well, different and the ball gets tapped up into the air, he catches that and he scores this? a try. How about he does catch it, but then the referee sends him off anyway because he wasn't in a reasonable position to catch it? <laughs> that, <laughs> that is such a ludicrous catch. You weren't in a reasonable <laughs> yeah. position. You weren't in a reasonable position to catch it. I know what the outcome was, yeah. but the law, is, it, the law as written says <laughs> you were not in a reasonable position to catch it. Off you go, son. Well, the, it does need look. I'm not saying right now, but th- this should be done. You can't continue with this in, inconsistency between written law and application especially when you're ch- picking and choosing which ones you want to apply and which ones but, you don't yeah. want to apply well, look it's just a microcosm of rugby we've got games yeah. decided by not poor refereeing because I don't I honestly do not think any of the referees in the premiership are poor Cole Dixon no, no. included I think they're yeah. excellent in fact yeah. and then they, when you watch ref from other areas sometimes it highlights yeah. Just how good we have it in the Premiership. Exactly. So, like, you know, Premiership's got many problems. The, the officials are not one. 100%. But the people who are in charge of the referees are indeed a problem. <laughs> now, you said you would get World Rugby in a room and do this, that, and the other. I'd get everyone in World Rugby in a room, and then I'd get Ross Tucker, and I'd commission him to write a report as to why they should all be fired. <laughs> well, actually, when, when I, what I would actually really do... You'd just be following the science. I would... I'd have me in the room... Yes. I would then go... What, basically what I need is about... Hmm. When's the World Cup? Six months away. Right. So I need seven months full-time pay 
uh, to lock me in a room. I'm going to go through every law. I'm going to give you what that law is as it's written, and I'm going to find 10 examples of that law being either applied well or applied badly off all the game tape, and then I'm going to propose changes. Some laws will get eliminated altogether. Some laws will be tweaked to meet the application and some app some there'll be some guidance to referees to say no you need to start applying the law as written yeah that's, uh, that's I, what i want what's six yeah six I'll, I'll, I'll take on a six 500k contract yeah. can, can i uh, i i would happily pay my subs to my club who then fund the union to then pay you your half a million k to do that over the next seven half months. a million k get in uh, <laughs> 500k um if um if uh you can take the law book from however thick yeah. it is, an, an inch, two, think, two inches thick down to uh, half an inch thick. I, I think I think I would. There, I think there's a lot of laws that would be both, where they would be either condensed or eliminated. In my incredibly thorough review. Yeah, I'd take on a six month um, comment as head of HR for World Rugby. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be wonderful like that. I think you would be like Vince McMahon. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. See, there are times when. I look at Rob Baxter and I, I actually think if if I had to pick someone in England mm. to just go, yep. uh, if, if I had to put the trust in one individual to go, there's rugby, I'll go with whatever you say. You're in sole charge. You're, you're, an, em- you're an emperor for rugby. Now, I would, I would hand it to Rob Baxter. So when he comes up and says things, I honestly think there will be hours. He doesn't just say this off the cuff. There will be hours of thought, a huge mm. amount of um, consideration and quite often, his suggestions just get swatted away. Yeah, because they don't want to... I mean, he's he's inconvenient to a lot of people, I think. And he's becoming more outspoken as well, which is quite interesting. Mm. So I think over the last year or so, he's really started to rub against the grain of, you know, the people who you know, want to make rugby more worthy, for want of a better word. And I don't think he's going down particularly well, but he is right on almost everything he says. Almost everything he says. The problem is he's tarred with the Chiefs brand now. And I think one of the problems is with the Chiefs, as they currently are, um, is they have got a huge amount of reputational damage from all of the campaigning which was previously done against them, all the unfair, uh, all of the unfair campaigning. So, yeah, it's um, but there, no idea. There is... But if he was the emperor, I'm sure the first thing he would do is appoint an under-emperor. That'd be Steve, Steve, uh, Steve Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> but the Chiefs, as well as reputational damage from that side, which we don't need to go into... There is some reputational damage because, other than last week, which we spoke about previously, um, and in Europe, they're not actually playing particularly well. Well, well yeah, they are, they're the a other, shadow. Yeah. But, but of on what Rob Baxter, one observation: he's back the last month, three weeks particularly. He's now back out and doing all all the interviews. He's mm. doing the media. He's the face of the club again. Yeah. And I'm wondering what's happened there because well, that's a good question because he wasn't before, and he was he he handed that responsibility over to Ali Hifa and then he's grabbed the he, he, well he appears from where I sit to have grabbed the reins again well I think amongst all this chat about the red card what I think we can all agree on is that Ollie Woodburn is not a what 43 point player is that the end is that the differential in the end it is yeah he's like, not a 43 point he's player not? Um, now he was missing for 40 minutes and what's his name uh, O'Loughlin yeah. was missing for ten minutes, um, and there was but, a there was a period where it was both at the same time. Yeah, there's yeah. a four or five minutes where both are the same, but it's it, it's still that, that forty. Th- I mean, that's a hell of a lot. Well, it's twenty. It was twenty nine points when he went off, and it ended up sixty two. So 
30, yeah, 33 points. Yeah, I mean, the problem with Exeter, I do believe, is that they are, and I'm going to sound like I'm talking about the refs again now, but they are an extremely compliant team. They do exactly as they are told. So quite often, I think, when Exeter are successful, it's because the coaches have got it right. And when the team are unsuccessful, it's because the coaches have got it wrong. And I truly believe that, because if you watch them play today... They were just executing what they were told to execute. I'm certain of that. You do not hold the ball for that amount of time getting smashed backwards unless you've been told to. Mm. I mean, it's you don't, just you don't, unfathomable. You don't repeatedly kick for the corner, particularly in the first half, when you line out and driving ball are not working very well. Mm. When you've got kickable three points, and when they were doing it, they were only five or seven points down. What's the, sta- what's the hold, hold on, what is the status with the table? Are they in a situation where... They're done. A win and a bonus point was kind of essential? Yes. But, well, uh, but it was no. still it was still out of their hands. Even... Yeah. Basically, top four was done. Now they're actually in a position where they could lose top eight. Crikey. It's, it's, it's in their hands, but it's it's not brilliant. The top top four, they never really had a, it. Would have been out of their hands. Yeah. I, I mean, they so. had they had a very big loss when Solomon Akata went off. I do believe he makes a difference, but some of the stuff they did was just not. It was just not good rugby, for want of a better word, and it was unwise tactics. Mm. Um, some of the wide passing was horrendous, so they try and spread the ball, but they seem to do their absolute utmost to make sure. The last pass to the wings are as high as they can physically get it without <laughs> throwing it into touch. I, yeah. I do not get that for the life of me. Test the wingers' vertical leap. Yeah, and you look at their... The, is, attack- it, is, it, is it called Billy Ball, that, that yeah. call? Or, or I mean, I'm guessing... Ben, ben Ball. I mean, are they hoping to maybe slow down the Leicester Rush defence because they can't tackle them in the air? I do not know what the idea is, <laughs> but it's just not good. You look at their attacking shape. It's so predictable. Now... If you're going to play possession-based... That's not quite the right word. Yeah, let's... It's possession-based. Possession-based, yeah. yeah. So they want to go through the phases. But if you're not winning those collisions, you can't do it. And you shouldn't be kidding yourself that you can. They got into the Leicester 22 on about the 20-minute mark. And they were marched back past the 22, past the 10-metre. I think they ended up on the halfway. And they're still playing rugby. Mm. Like That is not how extra Chiefs operate. Now, back in the day, they'd hit their pick-and-go game. Obviously, that's been massively neutered by the law changes. But yeah, and, and losing per- of that. And losing personal as well. Yeah. Because the, the law change, I was watching this game thinking, how much of this is law changes and how much of it is loss of personnel? Yeah, and I think they're rebuilding to a certain degree as well. They are. They are. So I, I certainly hope they are. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I wonder as well, what was the idea behind the extra team selection today? Because mm. other, pe- other players were available. But how much has given them a rest for they played a couple of hard weeks in Europe? Yep. Well, maybe. But you've got to remember, this game to them was their last real Premiership game. I mean, not the Premiership, other than Hold, just, assuring they get top four. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Okay. It's quite conceivable that in the round of games coming up this weekend, Northampton lose at Newcastle. That's That's definitely possible. Possible. London Irish lose away at Saracens. Definitely possible. That is definitely possible. Yeah. Harlequins yep. are home to Bath. You would imagine they win. Even if that happens, okay, the final day of the season, Harlequins have got to go away to Leicester. 
and Exeter play London Irish, whilst Northampton have. I'm just thinking, what's the last game of the season? Oh, Northampton. North, Northampton don't play on the They've last game of the season. They've only got one game left. only got one game left. So, Exeter, right. So, if, if it goes as I expect this weekend, where I'm going to say London Irish lose, uh, Northampton lose, which is, and, See, and Harlequins win, if Exeter manage to beat Bristol at home, which they'll fancy themselves to do, then they will be three points behind Quinns, or three or two points behind Quinns, and, and they will be potentially... Five points behind Northampton. So if they beat Leicester, they would. But it took them winning away at Leicester, and it means Northampton have to lose, getting nothing. Getting nothing, yeah. Away at Newcastle, who it's irrelevant for Newcastle, and Northampton playing for a spot in the top four. So I just, I I do agree with you. But what I'm saying is, it's it's well, we're going to know on Friday night if Northampton get zero points on Friday night. Yeah, then Exeter have got a shot. I guess my point was, and still is, it is out of their hands. Yes, it is. Um, then that, I, I guess, technically... I mean, it's not... It, I mean, today was a disaster. Yeah, that they didn't get anything. It was It was still out of their hands. Yeah. So um, it was going into that, that game yesterday, mm. and it's still out of their hands. They they technically could do it now. Yeah. Highly unlikely. Don't get highly me unlikely. Oh. Highly, highly unlikely. I was just unlikely. saying, it is, it is not... Conclusively done. Yeah, yeah. And the battle's still on, and Quinns have given themselves a glimmer. Yeah, they've got to win two, two, and hope Home Irish. Home to Bath, away to Leicester. Hope Irish lose two, and um, and Northampton lose one. Uh, have, have we finished talking about Tigers yet? Because I want to talk no, about Tigers. no. So we, I think we've probably finished talking about Exeter. We've not really talked about Tigers yet. I was so wrong about Hondre um, Pollard. Same. He is absolutely world class. I was, I was, I was only you, wrong in how right I was. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he is. He's brilliant. He's yeah. absolutely brilliant. It is funny because I don't know why we'd built up this negative picture. Maybe it's because of Springbok tactics, or yeah. um, I don't well, know. Because I've seen him play. I mean, that, that's yeah. why. But he is class. He's yeah. he's all when round he, class. He cuts back against the extra defence, glides through them. And then that kick at the end, I remember Danny Cipriani. This is for the first, is this yeah. the first try? Yeah. I remember Danny Cipriani doing something similar and everyone going absolutely wild about it. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, maybe it's a copycat league or whatnot because mm. Exeter, Exeter, Tigers did have a lot of success with their kicking game. I they, think the first three tries were kicks. They were. Um, I think there's definitely more than three as well. They also had a few risky moments. The first extra try was a kick, crossfield kick went wrong. Yep. And they almost did a carbon copy of it that went wrong as well uh, 10 minutes after that. Oh, but I've, generally their kicks were very, very good. I've got to say, in the world of salary caps and whatnot, the job the Leicester Tigers have done is phenomenal mm. with that squad. Mm. I mean, it really is. They've got young lads who are massive. Um, and I tell you something which they should take a lot of credit for. There are some old boys in there um, not necessarily all boys. Watson's not an all boy, but he's been around a long time. There's obviously Brown. There's obviously Ashton. Gopeth. Gopeth. Although the reason I will tell you why I'm not including Gopeth in, in this in a second. All, <clears throat> all those three guys, undoubtedly very talented, and have had a really troubled rugby past in the last say twelve months. You couldn't look at any one of those and say they've had a really good twelve months with rugby. Twelve, eighteen months. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm... <laughs> A couple of years, yeah. Every one of them would have been disillusioned with the game to some degree. And here they are, the Tigers, and they look like they're enjoying their, 
enjoying their sport again. And yeah. I think that's a remarkable thing. So well, they picked up some great value. Even Gopeth, I mean, you say don't include him in that, but the rumours of Wasps going under before they eventually went under, they, they were rumours. He mm. would not... If he was offered a position of less stability at Wasps or more stability at Tigers, take the more stability. 100%. And he went so, to Tigers to win things, and he won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I think it might be one of the few squads that by next year will strengthen. So they've already signed Ollie Hassel-Collins. Yeah. They've signed... There's another winger, isn't there? Um, uh, who is the massive back row from South Africa? Another one. <laughs> who was at Worcester and now at La Rochelle. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Hatherall. Kyle Hatherall. Kyle Hatherall. He's yeah, going to be I like, beast. I, I like him as well. Uh, and there's... A, like, there's a Worcester had some good players. They just yes. didn't use them well. It's amazing how bad they were, considering like their players have become the key players for so many teams now. Yeah, yeah. Blame Steve Diamond, I guess. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's Jonathan Thomas's fault. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, they're remarkably well with the, they've done remarkably well with the squad, squad construction. It'll get it'll turn into a stronger squad. I mean, I don't know how they're going to transition. Bassett. Josh and Bassett. and Jamie Shilcock. That's the one. That's those are decent signings. And add to that, they've already future-proofed their fly-off, their fly-off position. Because obviously Pollard's going to be the number one. But Charlie Atkinson at number two is... I really like Charlie pretty Atkinson good. as well. Yeah, pretty yeah. good. They're the only, I don't know how long they can keep this squad together, but from what I understand, certainly the younger lads. And that's the other thing as well. Nobody has that many big young lads. Yeah, That makes yeah, a yeah. huge difference. Even Exeter, who are famed for bringing in both big young lads and... Uh, Overseas, mainly Southern African mutants, mm. don't have the uh, repertoire and range that Leicester Tigers do. Yeah, Cam Henderson um, is like just the latest one. There will be another um, what, a Ch- Chesham at some point, an even bigger, well, harder Chesham. Th- well, there's, there's uh, the current Chesham, the England of the 20s Chesham, and then there's another one on the production yeah, line who's a brilliant. few years younger as well. Brilliant. And of course, George Martin. And George Martin played today like he was not playing games. Yeah, I I do like George Martin. The way he hits, such a big guy. So he's so powerful. Yeah, good technique as well. It is. He gets very low. Don't know who he hit today, but it's just a a case of shop shirts immediately. Yeah, who was it? He was top top tackler today as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. There is Steve Balthwick loves him. Absolutely loves him. I can see why. There is something Courtney Laws esque about his Mm. body hit for such a big lad um, in the tackle. I do remember there was a because you know I'm a bit of a loser. And I always watch the yes, England rugby uh, <laughs> videos that they put out, that which are generally, which are generally generally pretty good. But you always get some. There's there's always some there's always some boring cheesy stuff. There's always some interesting. Do you always find all. it's like the things they pick up in the background. So yeah, you someone like praise their dad about how good they were. But in the background, there's like a guy doing kick-ups or kicking practice <laughs> or squatting well, 600 kilograms or something. One of the interesting ones, which wasn't a big thing, but was, um, and I mentioned this on the pod at the time, was um, they had a competition with the second rows to see who had the best vertical leap. That's right, yeah. And Marrow won it, but Johnny Hill was only one inch less than Marrow, which considering he's yeah. 10 kilos heavier is very impressive. And it's from your starting point as well. It's not... It's, it's not that because above he's two, your yeah. Height, it's not your because reach. he's two inches taller and his reach is therefore yeah. four inches taller. No, that's his. That's the given starting point. Um, but no, it was there was a session. God, it was ages ago, where 
George Martin was working with um, Eddie Jones on tackle technique. Oh, really? And it's something that I've I've observed. He did it. I think it was in Brighton, and um, Eddie Jones was giving all. This is when he first came in as a nineteen-year-old to the England camp, and you can see the um, his low body height, um, devastating tackle technique from it. Excellent. Um, anyone see Sale absolutely annihilate Bristol Bears? <laughs> I did. No. I, 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 was, well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's an absolute annihilation. 3620 is an annihilation. I, I, well, I, Sale failed to get a bonus point. I mean, yes. It's, so they, they actually could. Um, it's probably not going to happen, but they could lose top two because Tigers are only two points behind them. Well, they could do. They could now, do. Tigers have only got one game and Sale have got two. So it's probably unlikely, but it could happen. I'm, yeah. I'm going to contradict something that I've previously said. Go um, on. One, I actually think BT Sport did exactly what I have previously said in changing the game that they televised because they were following where the story is. And Bath and mm. Gloucester need to be better so that that game means means more. And yes. so if you're not if you're not going to be if you're good... Ninth if you're ninth and 10th. If you're 9th and 10th, they're not going to be good enough to be in the playoff conversation, then see you later. Tough. I 100% disagree with that. Well, no, no. So, I, so that is my point. I, okay. I, I, I okay. think, I think rugby has to have that ability, or whoever the broadcaster is, has to have that ability to, to follow the story and create something compelling. The only thing I'm going to disagree on is Bath versus Gloucester, even with nothing but pride at stake and possibly keeping alive a slim chance of a top eight finish. Um, that's still a game I want to see because I know how much it means to exactly the fans right. and and that history and that that heritage does mean something and that sometimes well, is is a story that's worth pursuing. I mean, let's just talk about Bristol Bears Sale Sharks as a matchup, right? What is the history between these two? I mean, okay, let me ask you a different question. How would you go about cutting a promo for this game? Oh, um, like, where are the storylines? Bristol. Well, you, you got AJ McGinty, yeah, going yeah. going home again, or. Playing against his old team. Yeah. Anyway, you've got um, you've got I know Andrew line. Sheridan. Andrew Sheridan's been to both clubs. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. Imagine wheeling out Andrew Sheridan. Will Will, Will Cliff retiring? <laughs> although he wasn't involved in the game. Uh, Is Will Cliff retired? He's retiring. <sighs> it's got to that point where the the, the kids that we remember the coming through youngsters. as academy academy pros, prospects at Sale are now retiring. Um, the return of the curries, double curry. Uh, can, can we just talk about them getting given joint man of the, man of the match? Yeah, the I match. felt a bit cringe about that. That was really cringy. Joint man of the match, I didn't yeah, see that. They yeah. Got, yeah, both twins got man oh, of the God, match. God, that's awful. But they obviously only had one medal, so only one of them could be given the medal. Uh, obviously, was, Tom took it. Yeah, it was rubbish. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a. I, I, I get it. It's a nice idea, but. No, it's not. If that, if it's not even been, a nice idea. No, if that, it's no, a no, bad no, idea. If that had been Jean-Luc Dupree and Tom Curry, I can't choose between Jean-Luc Dupree and Tom Curry, so we'll give them both. <laughs> it's on. only because yeah, they yeah, are yeah, identical exactly twins. Right. And, and can I just point out, right, if my work rate was combined with another player's work rate on the field, of course I'd get man of the match. It's like when uh, Maritz Botha, and who else was wearing a red scrum hat? Tom Johnson. Tom, Tom Johnson. Johnson. One of them was having the best game that anyone's ever... <laughs> They're on like 36 tackles after 15 minutes. Yeah, only, yeah exactly right. So it was that was a total cop out, and I thought it was just cringe. If I was going to cut a promo for this, yeah, there's only one place that I would go. 
And there's only who, who, and there's two players that I'd interview. Oh, see, I wouldn't. I think it's which. Um, I don't think they're giving an interview, but I'd ask which uh, DOR has the most fake love for his players oh, and his wow. team. Wow, that'd be like 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 a little. Quiz. Who is who is the better and oh, bigger wow, bullshitter? Yes, oh, when that, it comes that, to fake psychology and you, motivation. That's how players. you would cut the promo. Is you, you would have, and I'm not going to say fake or shit psychology. <laughs> I I actually think Pat Lamb and I do no, you think Pat Lamb really loves his players? No, do you? no, no, no. What I was I was going to say, and I, and I mean this absolutely sincerely. I think they are both fantastic speakers. And that, do you? That they're yeah, I do genuinely. Yeah, I mean, like I think I, they're great. I, I think they're fantastic if you're 21. I mean, if you're anything older than 21, it's very monotonous. They'd be isn't great it? guests on a Chris Williamson podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, none of none talk of what, about your growth mindset. Sorry, they'd, they'd be all over that, wouldn't they? None of whatever they say stands up to even to the slightest scrutiny, <laughs> even the slightest scrutiny. <laughs> so I mean, that'd be good for the Jake Humphreys. Uh, yeah, it's an, yeah let them talk to Jake Humphreys. Yeah. just if if they actually if just a not. Just a normal person <laughs> asks questions about this nonsense, which they, which they both speak. Uh, I, I think they'd be found out pretty quickly. I think that's the point. I think they are good speakers. I think they uh, love the smell of their own. Yeah, if you were twenty, all they need much. to do, right? Never forget this. All they need to do is is convince a twenty-one-year-old kid that they're right, and it's pretty easy. Believe you me, <laughs> it's not it's not a, a difficult task. But if I was going to cut a promo for this game. I would be interviewing two players. I don't know if they're still playing. Tom and Luke R. Scott. Oh, wow. <laughs> what does this game mean to you? God, so, because <laughs> there was, was there a ban or was there disciplinary within one of the clubs for... One got fired. Was it fired? So, for for um, passing on moves, so the, calls. What, apparently what happened is the one that played for, uh, for Sale... Yeah, which I do not remember if it's Tom or Luke. But, uh, went yeah. to the ho- team hotel of Bristol, and apparently told them the lineup moves. Although this was never substantiated from what I could tell. Yeah, I could, yeah. Se- I could tell. And then he got fired. He got fired from sale. Wow. That's what I, that is one hundred percent the story that I you know uh, talk about intrigue, mystery, yeah, a firing. I, I'm interested now. I mean, if you want to just fire people up with. You know, the most salacious thing you can find. That's what you do. That's cool. That's how the NRL would do it. That's exactly... Well, maybe. That's what they should be doing. Yeah, That's yeah. what they should be doing. That's cool. I, do you ever read or see anything on... Um, what is it? There was, a, there was a leak. I think it was Tesla. There was some leaked information from Tesla. Um, and Elon found out who it was. Because he coded all of the e- all yes. the email, there was internal um, email that was sent out to everyone, and there was a little bit of code. I think it might have been a double space between different words. That's on, right. And so when it got passed on, he could identify precisely which employee because all ten thousand employees had a slightly different version of the coded Ooh. email. That's incredible, isn't it? So the lineout moves might have been passed around slightly Thanks. different, or I, it could have just been the Arscots. So I remember I went to sale and they. I had their lineup plays for oh, what was it? Oh, I can't remember which game, but it was awesome. I mean, I'd never disclose what the lineup plays mm. were to anyone else, but I got the booklets for the next game, and it was awesome knowing what the plays were and then watching them execute it. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, that's, that, that's cool. one thing that people uh, that's pretty cool to to know. So the guys that weren't involved in the games this weekend mm. would have been doing 
video research this the last few days for next, next weekend's weekend. opponents. Well, that's how Sale, a squad and a team work is cool. Mm. Sale one week had. Do you remember speaking to Dan Mugford at Sale? Yeah, I, I've spoken to Dan, Dan Mugford. Albi, so, Albion legend. Dan Albion Mugford. legend Dan Mugford, mm. and he was tasked all week with playing the role of Danny Cipriani. Mm. So he was uh, pretend Danny Cipriani all week for Sale against the Sale first team as uh, as they prepared. I love that. Well, they had um, in he, 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 like he was this. a method actor. He was hanging out with Nev Edwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee with the boys. Get me Nev on the phone. <laughs> Texting. <laughs> Apparently, for two days he didn't even show up for work. So <laughs> he he did a great job of uh, impersonating Danny Cipriani, drinking Malibu and pineapple. Yeah, the, the next ha- quick hashtagging. Be kind. Um, yeah, did a great job. In there was the the good story in the World Cup 2019 that because you could on, you're only allowed a training squad playing squad of 31 players Eddie Jones brought in a Japanese scrum half from to train with oh, the, yeah. the squad and he was tasked ahead of the New Zealand game he was solely charged with copying Aaron Smith that's so right I remember exactly, this guy yeah. hang on it wasn't the Japanese scrum half that actually played no no, not no he played for where was Eddie Jones at was he Sun Goliath Sun Tree Sun Goliath yeah yeah it is Sun Goliath he's been there for He's been there for like two decades. Yeah, yeah. To coaching Borden Barrett when he went there. Or, which, yeah. Anyway, it was like third choice from half there. But he was, uh, again, method actor. Brilliant. Go, going to it. airports, texting women. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Not being a dickhead, but simultaneously being a dickhead. <laughs> wow. Anyway, anyway. Um, other than that, George Ford looked good. We were talking about Bristol and Sale. Yes. George Ford looked good. Um, Rob Dupree, again, didn't look good as an outside centre. He's gone from being the best fly half to the league to... Yeah, do you think they're just playing him as a centre, if you listen to Alex Anderson, of course, in order to play him in the final at 10? To make him even better. Even better, yeah. It makes sense to me. But why Why don't, Why isn't Borthwick on the phone asking him to play George Ford at outside, outside centre? Center? Because apparently it makes you into better 10. I, I know this. I know this because, of course, Alex Anderson told us. Um... Who was on the bench for... Sam James was on the bench. Sam James is a remarkably good centre. Why he would not play... He's just a starter every day of the week. I can't understand anybody who would rather play... They're 136-20 away at Bristol. Yeah, they do. So, like, they I, I, think Ali, I think Alex yeah, but Anderson... Yeah. What's the bonus point? I think Alex Sam Anderson, James is a genius. Well, <laughs> I think Sam James... Uh, sorry, Sam James. I think Alex Anderson has earned the right to just say, I've won the game. Um... Mm. Brief mention, yeah, won the game. He'll he'll get top. Hey, two as long as, well. as he carries on winning, right? He can bring as many smoke machines, carry, uh, have karaoke parties. He can do whatever he wants. Just carry on winning. World War Two ordinance. It's not about convincing me. It's about convincing those lads to carry on playing hard. Gloucester as long away. As he does that, that's fine. Gloucester away, Newcastle at home are their are their two games. I, I fancy yeah. them to get more than two points out of those. Which yeah. will, I would say so. If they get three points, they're they're finishing second. So Brilliant. and they get to play Leicester probably. Yeah, which that's is, a matchup. Which is a good matchup. Yeah, George Ford. Um, just one one point for this game. We'll go into a huge amount of detail. Uh, Ellis Genge yellow card. It. F- it felt a little bit inconsistent with the application of some of the laws to me. Um, not that I particularly hate it, but um, we definitely, definitely seen that being given red. Yeah, yes. so, just a quick one. It, it was there was significant. What did it get described as a passive tackle or? A, 
anyway, it was not a passive tackle. It was a full full. full. It just happened that whichever Curry uh, was hit, was it Ben or Tom? Can't remember. Uh, both of them were involved in it. Um, was as hard as nails. So, Alvin Drest, what do you think has to happen at Bristol this year before Steve Lansan says, "I've seen enough of Pat Lamb." Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for everything that you've done because I think he has legitimately had a, three or four brilliant years there. But whatever but he was he doing, had, he had a couple, yeah, two or three brilliant, two yeah. or three improving years that led to one good year where they completely imploded after twenty-eight minutes. You give, him a, give him an onion salary cap. Could be I, fine. I'm just not going to engage in this conversation because I don't want rugby to to go down the footballification. This isn't footballification. They've, kept, is. they've, they've is. given this guy a seven year contract. He's been there for at least six. Well, no, so like, yeah, it, it's not footballification. This is there, it's, it's football, a legitimate question. It's like, footballification. What? Well, so how? Well, so that's my question then, isn't they, it? They've had a poor, they've had a poor year. So what about last year? Yeah, last year was terrible. It's, and they're not improving. So I'm my. My opinion on this is um, this is the test for Pat Lamb. Now, he's released, or Radrunner's going and Piatau's going, so he's losing two of his super big names, super expensive stars. He's having to bring the money in without the marquees under five million. Uh, yeah, so yes. He's so get- he's brought this lad from Fiji, Drew, um, Very good Flora, player. who's highly rated. He's bringing Max Mallins in. Uh, he's bringing in Gabriel Ogre back to the Premiership. So he's bringing in um, guys not on the same money none of those mm. would be on uh, Radrandra or Sir Charles money and it's about the rebuild that's more suited to the league and certainly more suited to the, the league salary cap as it is now not the salary cap with the two marquee players when he arrived they need can, if he can do that I, I would have a lot more um, faith and respect for him yeah because um, I think he's He certainly not lived up to his reputation. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. ...that was rightly earned at Connacht since he joined Bristol. Yeah, I think he needs, and I think you're exactly right, Phil. You need to show me that you can adjust to the salary cap. I need to see a clear and defined strategy for for recruitment. The, the biggest problem he's got is these two guys leaving. He can't replace them because, as I understand it, they're both probably the the exiting marquee guys. Unless and, and so I don't well, know. Do they? Yeah, Luatua will maybe Luatua is maybe retain that spot or Genjo Sinks. Might, I, every, but, oh, I don't get that. Neither of those. 
can yet. You have to have been there for a couple years. of years. Yeah, so. three so years. If you look at how Leicester found Hunt. Oh, Vui could be a marquee. They could, they could plonk him in the you, I mean, you could do. Anyway, but, but, but they can. But they're, yeah, they're yeah. bringing it in under five million, so that's not. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, if you look at how Leicester ended up with Andre Pollard um, and just the lengths they went to to find this guy, and he's got no previous connections to the club. Oh, no, that's not true because he would have had a connection through Aled, Aled Walters, right? Mm. You look at the process that Pat Lamb went through to get hold of uh, AJ McGinty, and as I can see from well, from what I can see, it's just the, purely the fact that they played to, that he played under him at Connacht. Now, what I would like you, to, you say that like that's uh, I can't believe that's all he did. All he did, all he did was coach him before. Yeah, like, well, what else would you need if you were a coach? I'm so glad you asked. So I point, know I know this guy inside out, and I know how I know how he worked in a system that won the won the whatever it was at the time. So against you, all odds, so pro fourteen, you, pro sixteen. Pro 14. So if you, if you've got a budget in mind. And you've got a type of player, and you're spending my money, say, as an owner. I don't mind that you end up with AJ McGinty, but what I also want to see is the process to which you ended up with AJ McGinty. So if it didn't work, you say, hang on, well, what happened here, Pat? Well, we looked at like 200 fly halves, and then we whittled it down to such and such, and we whittled it down to such and such. It just happens to be that the guy that I picked, I used to play with and have a pre existing relationship with. If you look at Leicester Tigers, it may well fail with whoever the. the uh, whoever they pick, but if you can po- if you can spot a hole in that whole process, say okay, well it failed, but we're still happy with the process as long as we get four out of five right, that's fine. It seems to me that Bristol are still they're still buying big players, but are they buying them at the right price? Are there cheaper players that they can buy for less? Are they following a process? I mean, look- we, we we genuinely don't know. We don't because he, he might have done that. But what I will say in Patlam's defence is uh, when they uh, won the league not the playoffs, but won the league yeah. and finished first in the league. That team was built around a few superstars and then a load of guys like Piers O'Connor and Henry Purdy yeah. and Thacker and all, all the boys who were performing way above the market and anyone else expected them to. Mm. And he brought them in on effectively peanuts. And he actually, Piers O'Connor. Actually, Piers O'Connor's great, the, great example. The, uh, he, he actually said there was that interview with him worthless, where he said, yeah, "Worthless, yeah, worthless." No, these boys, I'm, I'm paying them peanuts. But that, so, but that yeah. was that was a squad yeah. that was built, and this is this we've spoke about this before. That that was a squad that was built when he had seven and a half million plus two marquee players to play with. Yeah, that has been destroyed, and his squad has had to change accordingly. And, and now it's his. This is why I say the rebuild is the most important bit. He now knows the rules going forward. He has the opportunity to rebuild according to those yeah. rules. If he gets it right, that is a massive... That's like a third uh, tick in the box. Let's, let's, move, let's move it on. Uh, sure, sure, just yeah. one thing on that. And with that salary cap as well, you have the chance to pick from like 60 Piers O'Connors. Whereas in the new one, you've just got to pick a Piers O'Connor. You've got to pay him the money. And you've got to hope that that guy works out. You could take a lot of chances with a full salary cap on low-paid players. And I think that plays into it as well. The advantage advantage now is you've had two clubs go bump, so there's an oversupply of players in England, and the Welsh financial scenario means there is an abundance of Welsh players as well who will play for what historically Um, would have been the market What I would argue is the teams that are... You look at the Premiership, and the teams that are doing very well now have a large number of academy players who have come through and emerged and become solid first-team players. Mm. And for whatever reason, Bristol have not had that. And I don't put yeah. that at Pat Lamb's door. 
And when you're trying to manage a salary cap and trying to make this adjustment, the, the fact that Sale have got Gus War and Rafi Quirk as their two scrum halves when Fafta Clerk's gone. And Aaron Reid and... And Aaron Reid and Tom Roebuck on Roebuck. the wings. And Carpenter. Carpenter. And Carpenter come through. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's a load... Sam of, James. So, and him. Saracens, obviously, have got loads of those players. And London Irish. Northampton, London Irish, yeah, yeah. Um, Harlequins. But Bristol are probably the, the team in the Premiership whose academy is is not performing the most. Oh, they had a, a small Boys performing phase. The they had a small phase and they were, of bringing lads through, but I think they're in such a rush to get somewhere early doors. I don't think they do have the players they've, coming through. Not like other clubs. Yeah. Johan Lloyd is one of the best ones. Harding. Harry Rundle. Yeah, they've Fitz, got a, yeah, a few. Well, Harry Rundle's uh, Leicester and Gloucester. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they just... So I'm Lloyd, sure that Lloyd, will change. Lloyd's and Welsh, I'm sure that has to change. And Phil, that, No, Phil, Filton, Filton Academy. So as much as, you, as much as you say it's, you know, Leicester of, oh, look at the, the way they did Hondo Pollard, they went through this rigorous process. We don't know, but they're also... Oh, we do know. We no, do no, know no, that. we do know. They, they, they are doing that. And yes, the, the man behind their recruitment is an extremely talented individual who's done a fantastic job for them. But their academy system and the play, look at the look at the team that's out there and the number of academy products that are, if not international, looking like they are likely to be international standard. Yeah, it's mm. impressive. It's impressive. Yeah. Um, so, sale one. Yes. Um, In the other game, I, I, did you see the highlights of it? Of... Gloucester, oh, Gloucester Bath, Bath. The, the Friday night game. So no. Gloucester, they I was went, watching the score live. Yeah, not that helps. I've seen some highlights. So I, I've seen the highlights. Live, and I, I was watching the score. Live. Something about this fixture, I love. It, it, me too. It looked Gloucester. I mean, this game is a microcosm of their season because they scored two tries early on. Well, they started really well and then shut the bed a little bit. Yeah, Pris- I, you've done them far. You've given a yeah. far better explanation than I could, Tim. That is exactly what happens. Now that's a microcosm of Gloucester season it's actually not that unusual for Bath this season they've come back in to get well, they won this game they got four tries bonus point win uh, they've done this before they've, they've come back from uh, 15 to 20 points down on multiple occasions so either other teams think they're a joke and uh, give up and then they just kind of sneak back into it or there is actually something to it they've got some good fitness I don't really know which one it is, but fair play to Bath. Uh, Bath are Quinns away and Quinns desperate to win. And then Saracens at home. Saracens may want to rest up, uh, which, yeah. they, which which they did this weekend. And, and, and as you said, because Sale didn't get the bonus point, Saracens have the ability to rest up. Saracens just need to win one of the two games to yep. guarantee top spot, which means a considerably easier game. Yeah, the reason You don't want to finish second or third. There's only one reason that Bath won this. Max Ajoma played 12. Yeah. There we go. That's, that's, there you go. That's, that's the end of the chat. I've yep. just noticed there's a, there's a lot of emails um, about the Carl, Carl Dixon decision. Well, they've got the definitive answer here. So. Yeah, no, no. Hopefully that's been covered. I just didn't want to... Um, I didn't want our listeners to feel like they've been overlooked. I have seen the emails and Ed Fowler, for example, Will Morgan, Guy Van Groening, Harry Nye... Uh, Lindsay Gibson, so many. Lindsay and, Gibson, yeah, oh, nice. and um, and also I just got a, a WhatsApp just a moment ago from from uh, from Steve, friend of the pod, Steve, uh, who, good old Steve, Ch- Chiefs fan. <laughs> he says, "Never ever have I wanted to type some red hot vitriol uh, on into Twitter." Tigers were superior; they would have won. So let's drop sour grapes out of the equation. Mm. Dixon's decision was against. And this is—it's like he could have been could have been coming out of your mouth, Phil. Uh, Dixon's decision was 
against everything I love about rugby. You cannot, just cannot apply every letter of the law, can you? Otherwise, a referee would would just... Sorry. Otherwise, a referee would just stay shtum and not warn people to stay on side. They would just whistle it. They would blow at every Ooh. scrum feed and at most lineouts. And don't start me off about the breakdowns. Empathy Ooh. and nuance is everything. Well, <coughs> Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm getting very bored of this podcast. I wish we had a quiz or something. Oh, that's a great point. What? Break it what? Up. A quiz from friend of the pod and all-round good bloke, Ollie Poole. No, uh, all all round good nautical bloke. Uh, average nautical bloke. Yes, actually, I've seen his sailing. It's dreadful. If, um, if you would like, he's to... very good rower. Terrible, terrible oh, what, mauler. What actual rower or actual or rower? Ergo, yeah, ergo, not rower. ergo. Not, not ergo. I'm good at both erg and actual, and actual rowing. But I'm, yeah. I'm okay. Just wanted to check. Yeah, I'm okay at erg. I'm <laughs> bad at actual rowing. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a skill. Yeah. Can, can you could you get in a boat with like four other guys like a proper boat? But I was I was a bowside rower for Exeter University. Oh, were you? Mm. That's yeah. pretty cool. So, uh, uh, Henley, we got, uh, Henley got to the semi-finals of the no. of the Temple Cup. That you kept cool. that quiet. Lost to Cape Town University. Oh, that's very cool. Mm. So we've got and we've a, already spoken about their um, suppl- the way that they supplement their culture. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Exactly. So, um, not to make this about CrossFit, of course, <laughs> but um, I've got some friends in CrossFit. I'm, I'm kind of a big deal, and uh, one one of them's like a really good row, a really good row. So I was like, Chris, do you think we, sh- we could hire a boat and just like four of us just go and row? Well, three. You and it's, three others. Or oh, four of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah four yeah, of us. Sorry. Right. Just go and hire, you know, you could show us what to do. So it's absolutely not. It'd be a recipe for no, complete and utter carnage. You'd, you'd catch a crab in five minutes and everyone would be out of the boat. Yeah, that's what, that's exactly what he said. He said, you can't do it unless you spend hours and hours doing it. Yeah. So Ooh. no room for me. Not yet. Well, unless you put the time in. There is nothing better than... And I only did it in the off-season out of rugby, and a couple of the lads I was living with rode, so I went, oh, I'll give it a go, and I just got really into it. And one of the addictive things is when you've got the glass-flat water down on the river, early in the morning with the steam rising off the river, sunshine's coming up, no one's about, and you're you're breaking that glass-flat water with your blade and just... Why do they do it in the mornings? Is it just to I don't avoid know. traffic? I actually, good what? No, that's a good question. I don't know. Because everyone's at work. I don't know. Probably, probably that. Yeah, but it's always getting. And actually, that's the one thing. It's a bit like rugby. Actually, you you know, you, although you can not turn up for training if you really don't feel like it, and the training will still go on. But when you're rowing, you if shot. you're not there, you're letting your mates. The start. whole the whole boat can't go out because mm. uh, you, you need to have all eight or all four. I've never um, considered rowing as even remotely. Not, it's never something I've been even remotely interested in. Actually, Do you know who's a great rower in the ranks of rugby? Chris Bentley. Chris Bentley's a great rower. Mm. Better than him. Uh, Retired last year. Be a second row. Yeah, an enormous second row. Simon, no, no. Got, uh, what's his name? Simon Shaw retired no, years no, ago. No, 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 no. Retired last year. Hmm. Give you a clue. Played, uh, he, was meant, he, he was meant to play for England. Meant to play for England? Never played for England, but he was kept coming back with it's a great, great fanfare. Huh. He's got a brother who plays in the centre. Huh? Hmm. It's really obvious that we're missing. He's not that obvious, but he is a big name. Oh, I know who. Um, Simon Simmons. Matt, Matt Simmons, Simmons, yeah. Matt Simmons. Because he Simons. was a rower. He was a rower first. And yeah. then. He said he'd uh, never been fitter than when he's rowing. Yeah. Like, yeah, rugby, yeah, like, yeah. 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 Actively made him less fit. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, it was... He was never... Well, he was talked up to be returning to play for England when he was playing for the Chiefs. And nailing it. And Yeah, and the Chiefs playing really well. But everything looks good from a distance. It does. Well, he, he was good at Chiefs. Yeah. The Premiership's a different beast. Very much so. And actually, to be fair to him, he did get his act together big time at Harlequins, and he was good at Harlequins. He just didn't really make it in... London, London Irish. Irish. He and lasted a year, did he not? Yeah. London Irish. Wasps. And wasps. Yeah, wasps. Oh, yeah. Wasps. Right, yeah. a anyway, quiz. Go on, go on. Put all that right. So, uh, phones on airplane mode. Yeah. Um, get yourself a notepad I've or got something. Got my notepad open. Roger that. Now, ten questions. Um, I set the bar, so the bar is eight. Get eight right, you'll level with me. Beat eight, yeah. and um, okay. you're Honest in the Phil. lead. Hmm. I, I, I did this <laughs> in real time as well. Um, anyway, first question, and as Paul says, a vanilla one to start. Everyone knows that Dan Carter has the record for being the top point scorer in rugby tests. I think we should probably caveat this by saying men's tests. Uh, <laughs> but uh, oh. Paul, Paul hasn't done that. I've, for our audience, I know Bigot. that. <laughs> but whose record did he break is question number one. Okay. Nice vanilla one. Easy one to start. Well, I had an interesting exchange with someone along those lines the other day. <laughs> Talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. Over a beer later. Uh, question number two. James Haskell. We spoke about his college days earlier. but School days. School days. Um, he was suspended from Wellington College for hiding in a cupboard and filming <laughs> a mate. His friend later went on to play professional rugby and was capped six times for England. Who was he? Yes. <laughs> I do, yeah. Of course you do. We were talking how weird that it came up on the podcast. <laughs> well, not in so many words. Which clubs did he play for? I'm not I've got tell. one. I've, I've got, got two. I've got two. Two clubs. Three that he played for. And I also used to see him, weirdly, he's one of those people that he obviously had a work pattern that was similar to mine and I would quite often see him and walk past him at Euston Station. Well, when he was coming home from a late night? <laughs> you were doing your morning show. Yeah. No, we, Very different work pattern. When I was getting, I was getting in around lunchtime, and he was heading off on the tube. He obviously had a, a regular thing that he did on a certain day of the week, so I see him quite regularly. Question three: Mark Quater was tackled into touch by the narrowest of margins in the final of Rugby World Cup 2007. Mm. We've all seen that moment many, many times. But who was the Springbok number eight who made the tackle? That's a great oh, question. Number eight. Uh, this is the question as written. The, hang on. The Springbok number eight. This, who was the Springbok number eight who made the tackle? Jeez. Hmm. So you're getting exactly the same questions that, that I am. So, And also I can uh, blame any mistakes on pool. Uh, question number four. During the 2011 World Cup... Mike Tyndall got in trouble for att- attending a midget throwing event. But who else disgraced themselves with some hijinks on that tour? And what did they do? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is easy. That's good, though. Mm. What is this? A, a, a quiz for kids? <laughs> Question number five. <clears throat> when Tana Umaga spear tackled Brian O'Driscoll on the Ruined 2000 rugby for a lot of Lions tour. Who helped him do it? Who helped Tano Umaga? Oh, I know That's this a great a question. That, I think this is a good question. Yeah. Do you know, if only they'd have spear tackled someone who wasn't as good as 
Brony Driscoll. And, yeah, we, we'd be spear tackling for years afterwards. <laughs> Cheers, lads. Um, that is a good question. Everyone knows it's Tarner, but I can't remember the other guy. Mm, I got that one right as what, well. What year did it say? 2005. I'm just going to have to guess based on the year. <clears throat> okay, all right. Question number six. Dean Richards lost his Quinn's job in 2009's Bloodgate. Who was he trying to get on the pitch? Oh, I don't know that. Hmm. Well, yeah, did it say the year in the question? 2009. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, question seven. Ian McGeekin famously selected Martin Johnson as the 1997 Lions captain so he could look down on the South African captain during the coin toss. Who was Johnson looking down? Say again, say again, say again. So McGeekin yeah. famously selected Martin Johnson as the 1997 Lions captain so that he could look down right. on the South African captain during the coin toss. Who was Johnson looking down on? I have a name, but... I'm sure I'm wrong on it. I've got a name. I may be right, I may be wrong, but um, I've got a name. I've written it down. Okay, question number eight. Sonny Bill Williams received one of the first high-profile head contact red cards during the 2017 Lions Tour. Whose head did he hit? (laughs) I know this one. I think I know this one. I've written it down anyway. Easy. Let's go number nine then. It's an easy one. Come on, come on. I hope I beat you, Phil. Um... Freddie Burns' spell at Bath was notably marred by his dropping the ball over Toulouse's try line during premature try celebration, which Frenchman knocked the ball out of his hands. Yes, I've spelled horrifically. As you yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm, you're not going to look at my spelling. Yeah, some of them are. Yeah, you'll know who I meant with all of that, these. Yeah, it, same. That's on Claire. <laughs> and last question. In Wasps v Quinn's fixture in 2001, Joe Worsley had the gusset of his shorts ripped and his scrotum split open by a rooking player's boot. What was it? Let's read the question again. Wasps versus Quinn's fixture in 2001. Oh, okay. Joe Worsley had his scrotum split open by a rooking player's boot. Uh, interesting oh, fact... Worsley played the next week and later revealed on the rugby club (laughs) that this is because the scrotum is the second fastest healing body part. (laughs) After what? What is the first... (laughs) No, I'm joking. (laughs) After the tongue. But which player, also an England international, was responsible for rooking Worsley's scrotum open? That is an... So, 2001? 2001. Okay, so let's just go through... I've heard this story a few times, so I think I know the answer to this. Right. I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Shall we do some answers? Yeah, it's gonna it's that one, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Right. Right, let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Question number one. Who did Dan Carter overtake? Johnny Wilkins. Johnny. Correct. Yeah. One point each. Uh 
James Haskell's roommate. And Tim's uh, platform partner. Paul yep. Doran Jones. Paul Doran Jones. Correct. Yes, yep. Got it. Uh, question number three. Who tackled Mark Coy to touch? Is it Robert Skinstad? Uh, I've, so my, my, actually, if you see it written down, it says Davy Rousseau. But it's... Uh, Danny uh, Rousseau. Danny oh, Rousseau. He... Danny Rousseau was number eight for South Africa in 2007. It's correct, Sim. Oh, no. Three from three. And I I guess PSBs, so that's wrong. Ridiculous, ridiculous guess. The question, if the the question was which South Africa number eight looks best with their top off. Yes. That was the correct answer. Definitely. Uh, Definitely better than Dwayne Vermaelen. Question four. Manu in a ferry. Manu jumping off a ferry. Correct. This is a disaster. I can't believe it. I, I, I I've just had a total guess on this next one. Question five: Tana Rumanga spear tackle. I, I guess Rodney Soayalu. Great guess. It's Kevin Mialami. Is correct. Ah, good one. Kevin Mialami. There you go. We're all square now. So we are all square because I got that one right as well. So we're all on four. We're all square. Four out of five. We're all oh God, all this square. Tense. This is tense. Uh, who was trying to Dean Richards trying to get on the pitch during Bloodgate? Nick Evans. Nick Evans is correct. You got that one as well. Surely. I did. did yeah. yeah. And who's he trying to get off the p- pitch? Uh, Tom, Tom Williams. Williams. Tom Williams. Uh, seven. I got this one wrong. Now, I'm sure... South Africa captain. I'm going to give it a go anyway. Mark Andrews. I guess Gary Teichman. Oh, that's a great worker. Yes. Mark Andrews is wrong. Teichman is correct. Oh, no! That is, a, that is a great shout. No, 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 no. It's because no. I, was, I was watching a video recently. Gary Teichman, of, of course it's Gary Teichman. I was watching, a, watching an old video of uh, Ireland v South Africa for a little YouTube thing. I was watching Ireland v South Africa from 2000 and... Jesus. T- I can't remember what year it was. End my life. Just end it. 98. It was the one where they had a massive fight, the, the, the total punch-up in Pretoria, oh. and Teichman was the, was the skipper then. Teichman was anyway. excellent for the Dragons. Or Newport, I should say. Uh... Question eight. Sonny Bill Williams. Oh, hate my life. Who, who does he hate so much he his shoulder charged him to the head? Anthony, Anthony Watson. Watson. Correct. Oh, nice. You got that one as well, did you, Phil? I did. So yeah. am, I, am I one ahead? You are one ahead. So I'm ahead. on course for nine out of ten at the minute. Shit. You are. Freddie Burns. Who knocked the ball out of his hands? Clement Prochino. Maxime Medard. Ooh. It is Medard. Yes! Why no, is it Medard? Why are you celebrating? What? You just said Poitrino. Oh. Did you mean Medard? Have you no, I did not. Medard? No, I did mean Medard. I did mean Tim him. is on. No, no, no. I meant, I know. I meant Poitrino. Yeah, I meant Poitrino. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I thought I was winning. Yes, <laughs> Medard. No. And I'm, I'm done. So, you, JB, so you got that one then? I got that one. I don't know. Yeah. Is, I guessed Leonard for the last one. It is Jason Leonard. Is it? I've Leonard, heard that story Leonard, before. It, it is Jason Leonard. So I hadn't heard it oh, before, and the only no. two Quinns players around that era I could think of at the time you were, were thinking of Greenwood Leonard or Greenwood. Oh, that's like, made it even more satisfying to, to pick me by one in the fact that you celebrated thinking you'd levelled it up. So, yes, my dad! It is JB on seven, <laughs> me on eight, oh, and Cocker nine out of ten. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do some... Uh, Very good. What's, what's the uh, button for... Um, M. M. I'm going to do a bit of editing right now, so... Let's hear JB no, again no, no. in slow motion. No, I don't want to. Uh, no, 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 no. You're going to hear it now. Who knocked the ball out of his hands? Clement Prochino. Maxi Medard. It is Medard. Yes! yes! No, no, no. no. <laughs> 
Very good. Very good. Right. Uh, thank you very much, Ollie Paul. And if you have a quiz that you want to write and uh, send us, we'll give you a, a big shout out. Appreciate it. Uh, feature it on the pod. Contact Chasers at gmail.com, which is our I know. email address. Teichman and uh, Rousseau were the two I missed. Um, <sighs> that was fortuitous because I had just, as I say, it just happened to me. <laughs> I would not have guessed Gary Teichman had I not watched a video very recently. But anyway. Um, other games. Quinn's hammered Newcastle. Uh, and. Northampton, uh, they did give him a bit of a ha- hammering, although Duncan Taylor was red carded after eight minutes, and it was very much a Saracen second team. It was, it was pretty much an entire Saracen. Yeah, team. and uh, so I worked on this one, and the full time oh, whistle. Did you? Yeah, the full time whistle. Um, both camps were very, very happy, and because mm. uh, Sa- Saracens got themselves a try bonus point in mm-hmm. defeat, and could have got two bonus points. If the kick had gone over, yeah, but really it didn't matter that they lost it, and they, no, as no. you, as you said, they they, they had a, an eighteen-year-old make his Premiership debut off the bench. Okay, they, who, who is that? Nathan Mitch, Mitchellow. Who's Toby Knight? Oh, okay, Toby Knight's open side flanker, youngster, I think twenty, and twenty-one. He yeah, he looks all right. I'll tell you who did look good was um, is it Ben Harris or what's his name? Not Ben Harris. What's his? It's, it's a it's a centre come winger. Yeah, off the bench looked really good. Yeah, yeah, like the look of him a lot. Uh, so, what, yeah. For, for, um... So they changed twelve from the team that lost to La Rochelle, and they got close. Ollie Hartley. Ollie Hartley looks good as a twelve. He, got, he's from Wasps. Oh, is no, he? but Harris on the, off the bench is the one that impressed mm. me the most uh, of of their players. So yeah, Northampton Saints will be happy. They got seven tries and one comfortably, but they need to sort their defence out. They really do. Yeah, they, they just go to sleep at times but focusing on the positives they if they can get into the playoffs well then they're going to get they're going to get hammered by Saracens but yeah yeah because the rematch of this yeah. if if they get in they're only getting in fourth Saracens are going to How get did Trevor Davis how did their scrum go of interest Yeah decent because it Trevor Davis right. is like a mid-season move I think they're really looking for him to solidify things mm, right. a lot of money for for well for that guy they've they've looked for a lot of players both internally and externally to solidify things in the scrum none of them have really worked um having having Courtney Laws back yeah is a big thing for them can we just uh, he I, I just want to mention Courtney Laws because we're going to find out hopefully very soon that he's re- re-signed with Northampton he's still contemplating his future well, is it because he's got an ex- a one-year option on his current deal is that right he's I think he's he's got another year on his contract but he has an exit clause in it yes, so he can leave if the, he choose to at the end of the World to, Cup he can leave at the end of the World Cup or he, he can sign for one more he should leave uh, he probably should but no, you know Courtney and he's like uh, family and his kids and stuff are, are up, come come first, don't they? Like mm. as they as, as they do with most people, but Courtney even more so. He is all about those. He's pretty. Well, he's, he's pretty happy there. He's, well, he's, he's got to move a lot of kids. He's got to move a lot of kids, <laughs> and they'll they'll be settled in school. So I wouldn't mind betting he sticks around, mm. maybe gets a a longer deal on less amount of money. But also, what well, that's great for England because he's getting better. He's one well, of those. We've ra- seen him for months. We haven't seen him for months, but you know, generally speaking, over the last few years, he's one of those rare individuals who is continuously getting better as a player, even up to the age of thirty-three, thirty-four. And he, he, he has, I think, he's upskilled himself or been upskilled. He's, he's handling now. He's always had the physical side, yeah. um, but his his handling skill and his all-round skill and understanding and reading of the game is excellent. And having. I mean, he is an England captain. Having an England captain wearing yeah. a Northampton shirt is I love, always I, I have genuine 
pl- not platonics. That's the wrong word because I, I, I only know him to like again. We sort of brief chat. Platonic respect. He has got a lot. Of, he's got a lot of platonic respect with me. So you can use that if you want. <laughs> no, I was going to say love. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of platonic love for Courtney. I, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I think he is my favourite rugby player. He's I think cool, he is. He? He's absolutely class. Um, quick, quick one. Finn Smith hit a hundred points for Saints on the weekend Ooh. and scored his first try, which I think is quite. Quite some going, considering he showed up five minutes ago. And he was hanging out on the wing, lazy, hanging out on the wing to score his try. Yeah, needs needs some work rate. Uh, I, I think <laughs> does, I I'd say so. Who I liked in this game, um, Freeman, yeah, class, yeah, uh, Freeman is class. Hutchinson, when things break down, Hutchinson's a nice player to have. Um, I like Dingwall. I think he's a good. But he had a little look in with England a little while ago. He can play twelve or thirteen. He's always hard. He always tackles well. Always runs hard. Um, like Dingers, and I really like Mitchell. Just again, because when it breaks oh, down, Mitchell. he's such a dangerous player. Mm. Like he's constantly looking for gaps for him or other people. Yeah, they're just they are Gloucester of the previous few years. They're two players away, and they're probably two forwards away. They're an they're incredible like a, team. They're like an inverse Gloucester, though. Weak up front, flight, um, fancy in the backs. Well that, well, that sort of was Gloucester, wasn't it, for the longest time? Yeah, now Gloucester. Think of the Gloucester backs. They've always been pretty dynamite. Yeah, and they actually they've still got the, some dynamite backs. Gloucester, not not Gloucester historically, now. actually. When Gloucester were just dynamite in their backs and a bit weak up front, was going away from their traditional DNA. They've gone. George yeah, Skivington so, has reintroduced what Gloucester were always about. Yeah, if you go right right back with Gloucester, yeah, they've always been about the pack. When they won the league and the Dean Ryan, think about that second. God, Christ. It's quite funny actually when they did, when they lost a final to Leicester Tigers, is one of the reasons. Well, one of many reasons, but a reason was because Leicester Tigers had the enormous Alessandro Tulangi and Seremiah Bai. Remember him? Mm. Who sadly passed away a few mm. years ago. Oh no, yeah. wasn't it Seru Rambeni? Thank Rambeni. you. But they did yeah. also have Bai for a little while, but it was Rambeni. Well yeah. done. Um, so then next year, they went out and bought Carl Price. Was it Carl Price that they bought? Yeah. They definitely yeah. had... Vinacolo. Vinacolo. Did they get Carl Price and Vinacolo at the same time? Yes. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we'll just get the two biggest, biggest lads from rugby league. guys who can play on the wing. And throw them on the wing and just see yeah, if this yeah. works. And it didn't work. Yes. Well, Vinacolo scored five tries on his debut, didn't he? Three tries on his debut. Or maybe it was five. So I remember... So of rugby league debuts, Cardiff Blues had Justin Harris. He scored three tries on his debut. Mm-hmm. And I think the other guy that scored three tries on the debut in the same game was Jason Robinson's cousin. <laughs> if I yeah, and he played on the wing. I think he might be in a league. Convert. I'm sure is sure the t- two de- debutants for Cardiff both scored hat tricks. He definitely did. Vianicola got a hat trick in his first game. I think. I don't think he got five. I seem to think there's someone something else happened in that game. I can't remember what it was. Hmm. And didn't Vinicolo at least get one trial on his England debut? Probably. More, more than likely. So, yeah, they're Simbad and Vinicolo, little That's and large it, on the wings. Yeah, yeah it, weirdly, I was talking about... Oh, it doesn't really matter. It uh, does not matter at all, actually. It's 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 boring chat about Simpson Daniels' brothers who run a <laughs> built-on business. I was having this chat the other day. It doesn't matter. According to Wikipedia... Uh, Vinicolo scored seven tries on his debut. No way. Although, uh, I think that was a pre-season friendly against oh, right, okay, fine. Um, Leeds Carnegie. Uh, 
Maybe not. That's quite a lot of tries. It is. Um, I seem to remember reading... Uh, what's his name? Sean Edwards, his record try-scoring... When well, he's playing um, half-back for Wigan Warriors. Yeah. It was either 10 or 11 tries Christ in the game. Again, wow. it might have been Swinton Tries, we've not, we've not mentioned Chris Ashton. How did we miss Chris Ashton? Top, top, tops 100 tries today. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was very, very cool. Very cool indeed. Mm. Uh, I've been keeping an eye on the top 14 lately. Oh, do tell. Well, it's just really, it's hotting up big time. And it is it is the premier club league in the world. And it is living up to it. And um, Toulouse and La Rochelle are first and second. So tonight, is it Toulouse and, is it Leon? Go at it tonight? Uh, it yeah, is. Toulouse beat Leon 36-31. Bloody hell. In an absolute belter of a game. But uh, it's really, really hotting up. So uh, another great game. Thirty Racing ninety two thirty one Bordeaux twenty eight and Racing scored their winning try in the fourth minute of injury time. Mm. I love seeing people play in France who never quite made it or came with a big reputation to, to the Premiership and then never quite made it in the Premiership. But then was France and absolutely light it up. So for Racing, the guy who surprises me. And he shouldn't surprise me because he's a great player. Is Francis Saili. So you, you see him rampaging to a sense of like, where was that guy for Quinns? Mm. And Munster. Well, for Munster, he was great. but then well, He was injured a lot. But uh, Bialo is, is the one that's doing great. Mm. Like, we, we talk about England's tight head thing a lot, but Bialo is one that we need to keep an eye on because he's getting game time at Racing 92 yeah, it's cool, in the it? toughest league to and be a tight head prop. he's also like 140 plus kg, yeah. Yeah, which always helps. So I went on a sort of, sta- not a stadium tour, but I went with head of RAF Rugby, Paul Godfrey, yeah, and we were God shown is. around uh, the Wasps change room with Carol Vorderman on a, um, on a match day. That 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 is hell hell of a uh, threesome there. I remember so, I remember you telling that story about walking around the Rico with Carol Vorderman. Yeah, like everyone. If you want to know what famous is, Carol Vorderman is famous beyond belief. Famous, like everyone from my my, my grandma down to you know the. 18-year-old at the Rugby Club knows who... Even younger, everybody knows Carl Vorderman. Do you know a single person who does not know Carl Vorderman? I'll just, I'll just tell you someone... Maybe I'll put the mics down for a second. I'll tell you someone who does know Carl Vorderman. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Fascinating. Interesting. That, is, that, that, that is interesting. Knows her very, very well. well interesting. Anyway. Should I just mark that and uh, make sure the mics were down? Yeah. Well, no, nothing was hot. Good point. Um, so, yeah, top 14. Uh, Hang on, I'm not finished yet. Oh, yeah, sorry, go on. So, uh, yeah, we bumped into Bialo. He was warming up, mm. um, like, pre-game. And I was actually surprised he wasn't as big as I was expecting. Really? Not even close. I thought he was going to be an absolute monster because he had two or three games playing for Worcester and he looked like, well, not in the business, but he looked like he could do a job. Mm. He went from Worcester to France, didn't make it at all, then came into Wasps and then has gone to Racing. So it's interesting to see his progression through rugby because mm. he was nowhere near ready at Worcester. Mm. Outside of his scrummaging, which is pretty good. But, you know, more power to him. So just yeah, when, you, yeah. when he's, you... He's 29, yeah. which is... Prime age. Prime age for a, for a tight head prop. Hmm... Uh, so it, just when you it's got a strange bind as well. <laughs> when, when, when you list these names and just think there's four rounds left, Toulouse and La Rochelle first second, the hunt for the four other playoff spots: Stade Francais, Toulon, Lyon, 
and Racing 92 are all within four points of each other. Mm. And, and then and then, and then Bordeaux, Bayonne, Montpellier are also hunting that sixth spot that Racing currently have. Claremont, probably not going to get there, but... And they have relegation. Mm. Guys, they have relegation. They have one automatic relegation, which looks like it's going to be brief. And they have one playoff. playoff. And Perpignan are in that spot. Mm. It's just exciting. And then in, in the... Uh, um, well, pro, in the in the Pro D two, I was just going to oh, say, yeah. uh, Oyana are running away with it at the top, which is where um, new Newcastle Falcons coach Alex Codling uh, is currently playing. What now? Mm. Alex Codling's the, the Newcastle he, Falcons coach. He's going to be the new. Head when did coach that happen? At, got announced this week. That is a strange appointment. Mm. Formerly of Ealing and Quinns, yeah, and lots of other places where he, he's never seemed to have hung around very long. So, and was he a player at Bristol? Currently. He was a player at Bristol for a little while, was he not? Uh, among other places, yeah. So, I feel he was, but I he's don't know. Championship player, or quite a lot, I seem to remember. So he, oh. yeah. So he was meant to revolutionise the line out at Quinns. It never quite happened for him, and he left under some weird circumstances. But I don't know what they were. Mm. No, no, I, I don't, don't know. Um, just speaking about players who were meant to make it in England and never quite did, and then go on to good stuff in France. Um, Zach Henry. Zach Henry's a Pow. Pow. And pow, won pow, the game pow. for them. Yeah. Uh, they beat Clermont this weekend with Zach Henry pulling the strings at 10. You know, and Dan Robson came off the bench as well at 9. If pow. you're going to be not pow. very good for the per- for the Premiership, but happen to be great for the top 14... Brilliant news for you. Yeah, it's not a bad way of doing things, <laughs> yeah. is it? That's exactly what you should do. Well done, Zach Henry. Delighted to see him doing well. Exactly. Uh, loving that. Yeah, so we spoke about Northampton. Quinn's hammered Newcastle. Uh, very nice try assist from Marcus Smith, who set up uh, Adam Ramwan, who actually gave the ball to Matteo Carrera. Um, but other than that, it was pretty much all Quinn's. Just a quick question, and maybe this isn't a good question, and maybe... Maybe it's not true, I don't know. <laughs> but why do you suppose that Premiership players who are good to average in the Premiership but don't necessarily light it up automatically goes to the Premier... Not automatically, but often goes to the top 14 and become stars? Hmm. So I'll give you some examples. Um, Carl Ferns, very good Premiership player, but it wasn't lighting up. It wasn't like the best... Eight in the Pro 14, which is what he was for a few years. Yeah, it wasn't in the in the Premiership. wasn't the best eight. Yeah, which was he was in Leon. He was in Leon in his peak years, and he had loads of injuries at Sale. He was and Bath and Bath. Well, Bath, and Bath, Bath is yeah. where he Bath really is the place. Yeah, you're where, right. Bath's the place where it went wrong for him, and, and not and through was, any fault of his own. That was yeah, and that's I feel that's the is the setup of Bath, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. like he got dropped for Burgess. Wild, absolutely which, which wild, is absolutely nuts. And then Burgess, who played a little bit of back row, played a little bit of twelve, played a little bit of thirteen. Yeah, like was just um, abandoning. That's another one who did very well at Claremont. He did very well. He was, was he a European Player of the Year? Something ridiculous. Um, the, the the Armitage boys or Steph Armitage? Yeah, oh, both of them did did well in in France. I, I mean, they these and the weird thing is, it seems to be. There doesn't seem any rhyme or reason. So it's not like everyone like Carl Ferns goes and does well in the top 14. Um, uh, Zach, Zach Mercer. Zach Mercer. Zach Mercer as well. Zach Mercer. Is not like Carl Ferns. He's totally different to Carl Ferns. He, but there's, there's, there is some consistency here in 
Abendanon, Carl Fern, Zach Mercer. <laughs> all linked to a it? dysfunctional... What is it? Totally dysfunctional club. Something... So, maybe, yeah. maybe... Maybe Bath are terrible. Yeah. It could just be that. Yeah, let's go with that, shall we? Uh, but Zach Henry would be the other one. Yeah, yeah. So he's a legitimate Pro 14 player. Yeah. It just wasn't cut cut for it in, in the Premiership, which is odd. Can we? Can we? I Dimitri can't, I can't. I can't believe we got to this point in the pod, and we are, and Phil, you haven't mentioned Sesley Park at winning promotion. One promotion, they the the Battle of the Tigers, Sedgley Park Tigers hammered Sheffield Tigers by eighty points to something. Goodness, Matt sorry. Riley scored a hundred tries. Um, Matt Riley Sedg- in one Sedgley game. Park, <laughs> Sedg- Sedgley Park stalwart. Uh, I, he scored a few tries. Um, fantastic. Really, really good. They've, they have built something special. Uh, they've been playing some fantastic rugby as well. Um, it will be interested to see, interesting to see because the club has been there and higher before. Um, I think you need to spend a bit more or have stronger links to academies. Or a private school. Well, now, or, or now they're in school. National 1, you'd think that suddenly Sale becomes but, attractive. Yeah, but, but Sale got FC, haven't they? Uh, so there's, and they've got Coldy. Yeah, mm, so quite a lot going on there. Well, that is the problem. I know, what you, I know what you're about to ask, Tim. So I'll save you the yeah, effort on. of asking. Yeah, but you're probably going to ask what happened in the Papa John's Cup I, I at Newant RFC. I was going to ask that. And do you know what? Do you know what happened? Uh, Big was win the game, for Aylesbury. Game was huge camp- game for Aylesbury. Come on, Aylesbury, who um, might be off to Truro in the next round. Wow! Can you imagine that? Well, it's good to hear some teams are playing the cup. I think it's a worthwhile competition. I think if the game kept kept the laws exactly the same, the Papa John's Cup and the way they've done it, it's got a lot of stick this year, but it's because it's got, got no history. I think the clubs that play it and embrace it are going to get an awful lot out of it. I really do. Mm. Not often. When I say something nice about the RFU, you can guarantee there's something in it. Did you read the post that uh, Lee put on Ruby Draft about... Um Chase the RFC yeah, group, yeah, about about the yeah, sorry, um, different WhatsApp group. One of yes, the many. Yes, and and it, and it goes along. It the sentiment. It goes, the sentiment is similar to this email. Contact yeah. chases at gmail dot com from Mark Higgins, <laughs> who, who who says uh, and great pod blah blah blah. Uh, the RFU have royally messed up this season. Minimal rest weeks in the season with blocks of five matches, meaning old bodies. Brackets. I'm forty, says Mark. Uh, harder to manage through, and my season ended on March the eighteenth as they cancelled our final league game as it was a dead rubber in favour of a cup game, which was then a bye. Fast forward five weeks and we couldn't raise a team with everyone drifting away to, quote, summer activities. And it looks like we aren't the only ones. Normally we would have cup games interspersed in the season and teams who want to go on cup runs do so. Those that don't either don't enter or pull out slash field younger sides and the older lads get more rest weeks within the league season. Not to mention we would still train, play, have regular presence down at the club till the end of April, sometimes early May. I think this is a really good point. Our last home game this year was March the 11th. This year has been stupid and the screenshot shot from our side of the cup draw uh, demonstrates that and it's all home walkovers. I think that is a fantastic point. Yeah, so the the, I, the, the, me, the nine months of the season, which is absolutely essential for keeping the beer money coming through the just clubhouse. Let me, just let me push back on that a bit, right? Okay, so. Because what if you go out of the cup in, in round one? Even oh. if you think this cup's a great idea, your season's done on March the 18th, not, not March, March the 11th. 11th. I completely understand what you're saying. I completely understand what you're saying. Now, 
all they've done is truncate the league. Like we used to have loads of bye weeks during. The, I mean, I, I guess with the bye weeks, you still get your second team playing, you still get your third team playing, so on and so forth. And honestly, the the game we played against West Hartlepool. Thinking back about it now, I'm gutted that we lost it. I never wanted to play that game. I was like, I, I'm done. I don't want to play. I've finished. But I played, I played it and it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Let, let that be a lesson for your, because like your attitude generally to rugby. No, I don't want to play. I don't want to do playing, it. I'm not playing <laughs> kids' rules. I will not do it. I will not do it. And I will not meekly stand by while say um, destroy a game. I'd rather have nothing to do with it. Anyway, um, I wish we'd won it because we'd have gone up to Cockermouth. And then That'd you've got fun. a weekend. I think then you go to Twickenham. Mm. Yeah, but we could have gone to Grasshoppers in London. And I think that. I just think that it's a really good, comp- really good competition. I've been playing in the Northwest the same teams now, for, and I, I love playing that league. I really love playing that league. I love playing against Widnes and Aspel and you know Talton. Old and Talton. I, yeah, I really yeah. enjoy uh, enjoy the standard of, uh, of, um, of the league and the league in general. But then to face completely unknown opposition who are broadly your level and you have no idea what's showing up, but, it is great. But, but yeah, no, and I, you can't really do that in the regular season. Well, why not? Well, because I'm just I'm I, I'm looking at what Mark says and thinking that's a brilliant point that I'd not considered that clubhouses being open on a Saturday, having teams playing games, putting the money through the bar is the lifeblood of a club. It yeah, is, but there were so many better. walkovers in the actual cup anyway. Because I don't want another fixture against Witness. In, in no, 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 no. But, but the point being, mean? but the point being is, if, if you have a home walkover in November, but the season goes on till the end of April. April. Ra- rather than you have the you have the home walkers when the seasons home walkovers when the season's already done and even if you get and the nights are lighter and it's warm the nights so are lighter and it's warmer people stay, so you just you you I, I I agree with you that it's a nice idea but if you tot up the cost in other terms it could be significant yeah so I, have I don't you, know what the answer is have you read anything I've not read a lot about it but I've just kind of seen the headlines about baseball beer sales no so. If anyone actually follows baseball, I'll be getting loads of things wrong here. But the premise is uh, baseball changed the rules so they shorten the game by um, an hour or so per game, Uh, which means some of the clubs reckon they're going to be losing several million dollars worth of beer sales across a season. Because you play a lot of games and and it's basically less drinking time. So they've actually counteracted it by... Extending, I think historically it was a seventh inning cutoff for beer sales. They've extended it until the eighth inning, so the, your cutoff is later in order to counterbalance oh, the God. the beer sales. So you you get longer beer, although it's longer but shorter, so that they're still getting the same revenue. So, so it, uh, but I, the only reason I brought that up is because it's um, the availability heuristic. Um, because I only read it a couple of days ago. But also it's relevant because beer is important. Even to Major League Baseball teams, beer sales is sufficiently important that they've actually changed the cut-off. <laughs> so it is important to local it, rugby clubs. What does it say about sport in general, right? <laughs> that sport, no matter how successful or which constant it is, is basically dependent on you selling enough alcohol. alcohol. Yeah, that's yeah, it, yeah. isn't it? That's, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah I, the, he raises some some good points. I, I don't disagree, but I, I just think that this this cup, I, the way they've done, is the future. I do think the cup is the future. Yeah. I think they just need to find the balance of when it happens during the season, yeah. um, and, and yeah. when it happens during the year as well. Because you don't, 
having games into April is good for getting money behind the bar, but teams disperse. But yeah, like, from like, from a player point of view, the pressure is. I mean, we really wanted to win our league. We finished that. Uh, we finished second. Oh, uh, yeah. If we won one more game, we would have won that league, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, fine. But the pressure on you week on week and week out to show up for the league games means that you just wouldn't show up for a cup game. I, I, I would. I'd probably book a weekend weekend away on on that in a kids it's, theme park in Amsterdam. But what? But yeah. what, what's up? So since your league finished when in like middle of March. It was the last weekend. Yeah, it, was, it, it was Super March, Saturday. It? it was Super Saturday. Yeah. It was your last yeah, 18th game. 18th of March or whatever. So, so, so your season finished on the 18th of March, one week later than the Mark was saying in his email. I was quite happy with that. What's, what's, yeah, what's Tok H Club been like since? Because um, you've done, finished. But you, finished. Have, you have football there as well. Yeah, we've got footballers, we've got okay, cricketers. Right. Like, yeah, 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 it is a sports it's ground. A sports if, it was just, if it was just rugby, you could understand that it might be a, there might have been an issue there. Yeah, and I think maybe if that is the issue... Because you know, I've always said less, less, uh, less rugby is more rugby, particularly for the pros. But if that is an issue, you have to think about ways to utilise your clubhouse, which isn't just mm. rugby union. Maybe yeah. that's rugby league. Maybe that's cricket. Maybe that's football. You need to think of something because we've got these great facilities and they need to be used more. Can I give a, a, like, a, a quick positive rugby story from today? So uh, I took uh, Rafi Quirks, Broughton Park, under 15s, up the road to Liverpool, St Helens, a good old Manchester mm. v the uh, Liverpool rivalry. Liverpool-ish. Liverpool-ish. Yeah. Uh, but we're we the best team in Manchester. This, and this is almost verbatim what I said to the lads at half-time because they just were still on the, bu- still on the bus, still still not really with it, in, didn't perform in the first half. And I, and, I, and I reminded them we are the best team in Manchester. Inside the M60, we're the best rugby team. And you're... Rep- so think about the fact you're representing Manchester over in Liverpool and what these boys are going to think of you. Have a little word with yourself. And they went out and won the second half, but that's, that's not the point. But the brilliant moment is, so about a month ago, we had a lad turn up. And, we, and like I said, the, the sort of way I think Broughton Park should model itself is we, we are Manchester's inner city rugby club. That's kind of how I think yeah. we should, that should be our identity. Um, and we had this lad fro- who lives about half a mile from the ground, just off the parkway, which you two will know and mm. understand, in that little, little, little estate there. Never, ever played rugby before in his life. Mm. Kamani, he's called. And his teacher just sort of suggested to him, you're, you're, you're quite a big lad. You, mm. so have you thought about rugby? His, his teacher played rugby. said, you, you think about it. And he came down and he still doesn't really know the rules, laws. Uh, but he's mucked in in training for the last little while. We've been waiting to get him registered. And uh, and he played his first ever game of rugby today. How do you go? Awesome. Well, he, he did himself proud. He didn't really look like he knew what he was doing a lot of the time. <laughs> but what I was really proud of was how even in a game which was tight and which the lads really wanted to win, it was just watching the other players constantly talking to this lad mm. to help him through his first game. And I, 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 I said to the other coaches when we stood on the touchline, we got a, a, a try late on to actually win it. But I was like, you know what? If we don't win, I don't care. This is... I'm properly proud of that bunch of lads so, so the, way, the way they did that it was, it was just awesome do you remember Kimor he played with Broughton Park yeah my god so we had this guy who came from that estate and, uh, when I was playing he must have just turned 18 or something I remember nicknaming him the hammer right it, little skinny kid oh my god he would end people's lives <laughs> like just an unbelievable tackle I don't know what I think he got signed by Rochdale Hornets he went from never playing rug- rugby yeah, he went from never playing rugby to playing second team, and he just started leveling people. 
And then we got our first team debut on the same day. Oh, no, our first team... I might have had... A, no, I think I played my first first team game against... In my first season on the wing against Durham or something in, in, in the cup. But, like, the second time round, I, mm. I got on the first team. Both him and I were late by an hour because the clocks changed. <laughs> right? And we just didn't... I don't know why, how it happened. It just it just happened. before your phones automatically... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just an hour late. He was an hour late. I mean, and we both didn't play again for the best part of a year. Uh, he was absolutely phenomenal. And then Rochdale Hornets came and picked him up. Wow. Class. Yeah, it's just, just cool. It's just mm. like, yeah. Just, what about him? Great player. Yeah. And then when you connect with little stories like that, it's just rugby's, had to, rugby's awesome. I had to sport. sit with him for four hours whilst um, he was one of the hardest men I've ever met because he's so small and just used to absolutely smash people. And the only time I've ever seen him upset, like actually physically, in fact, the only time I've ever cried as a man from an injury was when I broke my jaw. I took myself to the change room. And a little tear rolled down my face because I was in so much pain. It was horrific. Anyway, he broke his jaw, so I had to sit with him for four hours in A&E and then drive him back. Oh. The pain of, of breaking your jaw is just fucking... Her- excuse me. Um, it's just horrific. <laughs> never done it. Touch wood. Oh, never, bro- it is- never broken a bone. Have you not? No, never. Breaking your jaw. Uh, to me, it was one of the most painful experiences I've ever had. Hmm. Single tears. Do you have to eat, eat through a straw for a bit? Yeah, I lost. Yeah, um, I had eaten through. I, I, I didn't damage. actually break it, but some bad damage. Oh, so bad. awful. Well, I first heard it in Bridlington. So um, it was a tour, Cornwall Rugby Club. Uh, why, why am I thinking this has got nothing? The, the jaw break is going to have nothing to do with playing on the. No, 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 no. <laughs> I tried to get involved in a fight, right? So the first fight, we're on tour. Um, it's under 16s, and the coach has allowed me. Have I told you like, the beer story? I think you have told the bit. Yeah, story. so I got a tenner off I, everyone. I'm gonna, I'm, oh yes, went oh. down to cash and carry. Yeah, yeah, and then we made an absolute fortune off beer sales. Um, so there was like a scrap in Bridlington. I thought I'm pretty hard. I'll just go and uh, level someone. So it all uh, you know, this fight breaks out, and I jump up to lamp someone, and as I'm about to hit him, someone cracks me in the jaw, <laughs> and automatically something just. Uh, it was absolutely horrendous. Could, could, couldn't eat. And the second time I was in training. And do you remember Rich Jones? Yeah. I just landed awkwardly on, um, on his head, broke my jaw, and that was literally Ooh. the most painful injury I've ever had. Every club's got one of them. This, uh, oh. Every every club will have one of these, that Rich Jones is is, is one of those uh, scrum half that looks like a prop. No, that's <laughs> Rob Jones. No, no, no. <laughs> Oh no! No, that's yeah. Rob Jones. Rob Jones. That's the coach. That's the coach of MMU. Oh yeah. That's the Lancashire coach. You're talking oh, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Rich Jones was like 42 years old, and <laughs> absolutely stacked. Still one of our best players from Rithin. He played in the team that beat with Rob Higgett that that beats. Oh yeah, so Rob Higgett, former Bristol, Worcester, Wales A. Uh, and I played with him at Bath University, and he used to talk about like, and even wanted to see him afterwards. If he if he ever got interviewed, like he's playing for, he's, he's in the he's in the Bristol Match Day program. They go, "What's your favourite game?" His answer was Rithin. like Rithin under fifteens beating Vanethley. Yeah, so he played. At, I played against him at sevens, right? Bearing in mind I'm from North Wales, he showed up at sevens team in Anglesey Valley sevens. I was starstruck. I mean, he only played for Bristol, and they were in the Championship. I'd never seen a professional rugby player before in my life. I, yeah, it was. I've got a special place in my heart for Rob Higgett. Yes, he's a, he's he was the only North Wales professional at hell the time. Hell of a player, hell of a player. Um, and was it? Yeah, in a university. I, I, I was in a university team with Rob Higgett, 
Bristol, Worcester. Joe Elabd, Toulon, Bristol, Bath. Bordeaux. Uh, James Hudson, Gloucester, Newcastle, London Irish. Nick Rouse, yeah, that, that, London that, Irish, yeah. Sale. James Hudson's not, not one to brag about, though, is it? <laughs> Luke, Luke, the Ruck Inspector. Luke Charteris. Ruck Inspector. Drug, Dragons, Bath, Wales. Rassing. Rassing. Ooh. Yeah, they were all in our... Perpignan as well, I think. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, definitely Perpignan. Perpignan got relegated, then he went to Rassing. And also in our, in the same university team... Um, Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I've forgotten the fellas' names. Doesn't matter. They probably weren't very good. In fact, Bucks is. Have you? Have you? Have you? Like Bucks actually are doing a really good job of putting their it's, games on, online and stuff. Quality is excellent. It is mm. really in quality. There's no choice. So I watch the progress of MMU now. It's interesting though, like where they get their players from. So because of the term time and whatnot, they get a few from UK. Do you, obviously South Africa. Do you know the other area that they scout heavily? France, Holland, really big lads. Yeah, big lads. It's some, somehow the terms work, and that's where they scout. Mm. There's a lot of interesting things that happen. That happen at interesting. Bucks. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Just in terms of interesting things happening, uh, U.S. schoolboys being sent out to South African schools. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's all about the supplemental culture. <laughs> We're back there. Why do you look so big? <laughs> um, games next week. Yes. Uh, Falcons versus Saints Friday night Saints uh, I, think, I know you said it could be a, a Falcons win Tim earlier but Falcons are a joke it's Saints Newcastle have nothing right on the game other than they want well even if they win they still stay in last but um, Saints going for top flop four this um, does it guarantee them or is it out it's out of their hands no it's out it? of their hands even yeah. if they get five points if, but, if Irish if Irish beat both Saracens, Saracens and, Exeter. and Exeter, so, uh, but it's Saints should win that. Then Saturday, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, Chiefs Bristol yeah, probably will be sitting. Yeah, I don't know. I can see Newcastle winning that one. Anyway, um, Chiefs Bristol, Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. I don't back Bristol for anything. Queens Bath. Uh, just on Chiefs, we didn't. We've not spoken about. I, don't, I can't remember. You two might have spoke about it last week. Stuart Hogg retiring at 30 or 31. Hmm. No, I haven't spoken about it, really. It seems, it seems a bit premature, um, partly because he could still earn quite a lot of money. Certainly more... Could have taken his pick. Yeah, he could contract. have gone. Could even, have gone. If, even, if he, even if the reality that he knows he's not operating at the level that he used to, which is what the reason he gave. Yeah. Even if he knew that, he could probably blag himself a really good contract anyway. Yeah. I mean, if he's but, on... Let's just pluck a figure out of the air. 300k. 300K. He could still get a 200k contract. Outside of rugby, unless he happens to get one of the very few media jobs, which I'm not certain he would do. I don't know about that. I think he could do. I th- mm. uh, why, why else has he been cultivating his hair and teeth the last few years? Mm. Maybe. I've, Maybe. Got, I've, I've, I've got some ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it just it, it struck me as a bit odd. But having watching him today... Knowing that he's in his last six months of professional rugby ever, his performance didn't surprise me. If that makes sense, yes. as in in a good or bad way. In a bad way. Yeah, I agree. He didn't. He looks heavy. Yeah, and he, he looks sluggish. And uh, he was coming back from an injury. I know he's, he's well, that, been out for a while. That demonstrates so. to me a lot of uh, honesty and integrity, actually, I because agree. particularly particularly in Japan, he could have gone and played eight games and picked up a, the same money he's been getting for Exeter this year. 
Yeah, he should have done that. Like, <laughs> maybe should have done that, but I, I suspect there is something already in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah and, maybe. probably. And, and sometimes there is a merit in taking that leap and getting out ahead because well, it's, it's timing's absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah um, I, I definitely agree with that. Because these slots, when they do come up in broadcasting, for example, don't come up all the time. And yeah, if players tend to get it when they're retired, it, if maybe. Do you know though? A stint in France wouldn't harm his broadcasting careers. Uh, career. Oh. The other thing as well is, it's very hard to get a gig, say for the top four uh, URC, because there's only two two Scottish teams, and there's loads of Scots out there who want the gig. Like you ask someone like um, Jim Hamilton, yeah, it, it's not easy to get those gigs because there's only limited amount of. Uh, there's quite a lot of Scottish players, but there's only a limited amount of Scottish interest and limited amount of, amount of Scottish games. So. I guess if he's got a BT Sports role or something, or if he can Amazon or whatever. Amazon, or if he's working BBC. within the Premiership, mm. internationals, yeah, absolutely do that. Mm. Absolutely do that. But, you know, if it's just for Scottish rugby or something... Or no, I, I'd imagine it'd be... Uh, my well, he's, a, he's a three-time Lion tourist, Scotland yeah. captain. He's won the Premiership that, and yeah. Europe, so... Yeah, the, the, best, the best player from his nation in his, in his playing lifetime. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't so, think there's any. So, in that sense, he's comparable with Brian O'Driscoll and Sam Warburton, yeah, who are absolutely coining it. England yeah. is a different kettle of fish because the, the only people that the were World delighted Cup. England didn't win the World Cup yes. final in 2019 were the winners of the World Cup final in 2003 because that preserved <laughs> their, their legacy and their yeah. jobs for at least another four years. Well, I think they're 100%. safe for at least another five years. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, four delighted. and a half years for now. Yes. Agreed. But yeah, so I suspect there would be no shortage of offers for mm. Stuart Hogg in the way that, like I say, Sam Warburton and Brian O'Driscoll get a lot of work. Yeah. Now, in- interestingly, both those two are very good at their analysis as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that Hogg's not. No. I've just not seen it. We don't know yet. We don't know. Yeah, he doesn't strike me as a coaching type. Yeah. Whereas I could definitely see Sam Warburton coaching. And O'Driscoll, they're, they're, they are both, they see things in their respective positions differently to but a lot of people do you, know, but yeah. do you know what I can and I can say this having worked with both of them on BT Sport and account it as an absolute privilege to have got, got to watch them work and chat to them but I can tell you that the work ethic that made them two of the greatest players from the British Isles and Ireland mm-hmm. so I'm not careful <laughs> uh, British Isles or Ireland uh, over the last 20 years or so is the fact they work their nuts off and Brian O'Driscoll turns up for a Premiership Rugby Cup semi-final on the weekend of that Ireland France game, uh, which he was working for ITV the day before. He turns up down at Exeter after that for the Sunday for a Premiership Cup semi final, and he knows all about all about all the players. Awesome. And he's watched game tape, yeah, and he's got yeah, yeah. he can do analysis. It, that, I mean, that's it's proper fair play doing your stuff. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, so we're all saying Chiefs, will, Chiefs, Chiefs will beat Chiefs Bristol. and Quins. Uh, Quins will beat Bath. Sale will beat Gloucester. Sale will beat Gloucester. Saracens will beat Irish. Yes. Irish haven't played for, what, five weeks? Four weeks? Four Four weeks. weeks. They've not played in... Missed two weeks of Europe. Super Saturday, there's no games on. So they played one week... So they've probably played one in five. Unless they had a rest week then. They had a rest week, just the weekend just gone. God. Yeah. Their last game, let me just... Come on, Irish. Let me check this. Their last game was... 25th of March. Oh, okay. It was their last game. It wasn't. So it will be 28 days 
four weeks. But they, they didn't play the week before. They played yeah. They played the Premiership Rugby Cup the week before that, but it was a rested team. So they're, the true first team has had... They've had one in five weeks. Six, six weeks. Yeah, six weeks. Wow. Um, there you go. Uh, great. Right. Thank you very much for <laughs> listening. Um, contact eggchasers at gmail.com. If you appreciate the podcast, uh, go to patreon.com slash eggchasers and let the boys play. Let, let the, the boys, boys play. play. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.